very honored Fraternity Teens Esoteric Nerd Podcast, episode 105, in which Dr. Robert Strong, PhD, is that redundant, of Gonzo Theology, and I interview successfully Daniel Garber. This uh, episode is called Daniel Garber 4, uh, as it is the fourth episode where Daniel Garber is being directly interviewed, but it is the fifth episode that he's in, as he uh, once co-hosted an episode a while back as well. But first... Now, I don't know if uh, it, that was clear, uh, clearly audible, but... We were chanting Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. That is a chant uh, popular in uh, all the forms of Nichiren Buddhism. Uh, you might be familiar with chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. There's a little bit of um, pronunciation difference, but not a dogmatic difference or, or difference in meaning between those two. Basically, there was the, uh, the the form of Buddhism established in the 13th century by Nichiren, uh, and he uh, lifted the status of the title of the the Japanese title of the Lotus Sutra to the status of being a, a universal mantra, um, and and hence the chanting of it in uh, recent forms of that old. Um, branch of Buddhism, they are building those world peace pagodas. You might have seen them if you've done a bit of traveling or looking at those sorts of, you know, documentaries, travel documentaries. Uh, they're around Nepal and uh, India and a few other places. Basically, they want to bring Buddhism, more Buddhism, to the region that Buddha came from. And uh, then recently, uh, I'll have to do some research to get all the details on this, but the way that I heard it, much more recently there was a, a priest within that lineage that um, kind of rebelled and set up a new formula or new system. That's the one, if you're familiar with the chant or you've attended some a coworker or friend said, hey, come to my friend's house, we're doing a chant, and you were like, is this a cult? And they were like, no, it's, it's not because of this, and it's superior to going to temple for these reasons. That is a, uh, a very popular movement in, in, you know, what they call the Western world, but not popular in Japan. That, move, that one in particular. In Japan, the older uh, lineage is more respected, so Namu Myoho Renge Kyo might be might have a little bit of more of a ring of authenticity to one who looks at things that way. Uh, but Nam-myoho Renge-kyo is more familiar in the West. Anyway, that's my vague smattering of ignorance on the subject, and I'm going far afield. Um, the reason why uh, that is the title of this, well, you might have already figured it out. As I did mention, it was the Japanese title of the Lotus Sutra, but uh, it can literally be translated as either uh, devotion to the mystic law of the Lotus Sutra or glory to the Dharma of the Lotus Sutra. So um, 
as one of, I'm sure, many who've chanted that a lot, um, you know, of course, naturally, I uh, became interested in reading the Lotus Sutra, so I got this here copy of it. Uh, the ratings on, uh, on uh, you know, Amazon aren't great because of typos, and it doesn't even, like, say who translated it. It just says, The Lotus Sutra by Gautama Buddha. That's it. The end. And you open it, and there you go. You just start. Oh, translated by H. Kern in 1884. That's probably why it's got the lower ratings, as it's one of the older translations. There's probably better translations. Well, now that I've undersold this to death, let's get back to our reading, shall we? Oh, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about. In the previous episode, we started a reading, but we got to the part where they listed all the many, many, many people in attendance at this particular gathering. Um, and then it, it, I just stopped reading in the middle of it. So, uh, so we're going to jump in here a little bit further along. Then did those who were assembled and sitting together in that congregation, monks, nuns, male and female lay devotees, gods, nagas, goblins, gandharvas, demons, garudas, kinaras, great serpents, men and beings not human, as well as governors of a region, rulers of armies, and rulers of four continents, all of them with their followers gaze on the Lord in astonishment, in amazement, in ecstasy. And at that moment there issued a ray from within the circle of hair between the eyebrows of the Lord. It extended over 1,800,000 Buddha fields in the eastern quarter, so that all those Buddha fields appeared wholly illuminated by its radiance down to the great hell Aviki, and up to the limit of existence, and the beings in any of the six states of existence became visible, all without exception. Likewise, the Lord's Buddhas staying living and existing in those Buddha fields became all visible, and the law preached by them could be entirely heard by all beings. And the monks, nuns, lay devotees, male and female, yoginis, yogis, and students of yoga, those who had obtained the fruition of the paths of sanctification, and those who had not, they too became visible. And the bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, in those Buddha fields who plied in the bodhisattva course with ability, due to their earnest belief in numerous and various lessons and the fundamental ideas, they too became all visible. Likewise, the Lord's Buddha in those Buddha fields who had reached final nirvana became visible, all of them, and the stupas made of jewels and containing the relics of the extinct Buddhas became all visible in those Buddha fields. Then rose in the mind of the Bodhisattva Mahasattva Matreya this thought, Oh, how great a wonder does the Tathagata display! What may be the cause? What the reason of the Lord producing so great a wonder as this? And such astonishing, prodigious, inconceivable, powerful miracles now appear. Although the Lord is absorbed in meditation, why, let me inquire about this matter. Who would be able here to explain it to me? He then thought, here is Manjushri, 
the Prince Royal, who has plied his office under former jinas and planted the roots of goodness while worshiping many Buddhas. This Manjushri, the royal prince, must have witnessed before such signs of the former Tathagatas, those arhats, those perfectly enlightened Buddhas of yore. He must have enjoyed the grand conversations on the law. He must have enjoyed grand conversations on the law. Therefore, I will inquire about this matter with Manjushri, the prince royal. And the four classes of the audience, monks, nuns, male and female lay devotees, numerous gods, nagas, goblins, gandharvas, demons, garudas, kinaras, great serpents, men and beings not human, on seeing the magnificence of this great miracle of the Lord, were struck with astonishment, amazement, curiosity, and thought, let us inquire why this magnificent miracle has been produced by the great power of the Lord. At the same moment, at that very same instant, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva Maitreya knew in his mind the thoughts arising in the minds of the four classes of hearers, and he spoke to Manjushri, the Prince Royal. What, O oh Manjushri, is the cause? What is the reason of this wonderful, prodigious, miraculous shine having been produced by the Lord? Look how these 18,000 Buddha fields appear very variegated, extremely beautiful, directed by Tathagatas and superintended by Tathagatas. Then it was that Maitreya, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, addressed Manjushri, the Prince Royal, in the following stanzas. <coughs> Why, Manjushri, does this ray darted by the guide of men shine forth from between his brows, the single, this single ray issuing from the circle of hair, and why this abundant rain of mandaravas? The gods, overjoyed, let drop manjushakas and sandal powder, divine, fragrant, and delicious. The earth is, on every side, replete with splendor, and all the four classes of the assembly are filled with delight, while the whole field shakes in six different ways, frighteningly. And the ray, and that ray in the eastern quarter illuminates the whole of 18,000 Buddha fields simultaneously, so that those fields appear as gold-colored. The universe, as far as the hell of Ichi and the extreme limit of existence, with all beings of those fields living in any of the six states of existence, those who are leaving one state to be born in another, their various and different actions in those states have become visible. Whether they are in a happy, unhappy, low, imminent, or intermediate position, all that I see from this place. I see also Buddhas, those lions of kings, revealing and showing the essence of the law, comforting many kotas of creatures, and emanating sweet-sounding voices. They let go forth, each in his own field, a deep, sublime, wonderful voice, while proclaiming the Buddha laws by means of myriad of kotas of illustrated proofs, and to the ignorant creatures who are oppressed with toils and distressed in mind by birth and old age, they announce the bliss of rest, saying, This is the end of trouble, O monks. And those who are possessed of strength and vigor, and who have acquired merit by virtue or honest belief in the Buddhas, they show the vehicle of the Pratyeka Buddhas by observing this rule of the law. And the other sons of the Sugata, who, striving for after superior knowledge, have constantly accomplished their various tasks, them also they admonish to enlightenment. 
from this place, O Mangu Gosha, I see and hear such things, and thousands of codas of other particulars besides. I will only describe some of them. I see in many fields bodhisattvas by many thousands of codas, like sands of the Ganges, who are producing enlightenment according to the different degree of their power. There are some who charitably bestow wealth, gold, silver, gold money, pearls, jewels, conch shells, stones, coral, male and female slaves, horses, and sheep, as well as litters adorned with jewels. They are spending gifts with glad hearts, developing themselves for superior enlightenment in the hope of gaining the vehicle. Thus they think the best and most excellent vehicle in the whole of the threefold world is the Buddha vehicle magnified by the Sugatas. May I, forsooth, soon gain it after my spending such gifts. Some give carriages yoked with four horses and furnished with benches, flowers, banners, and flags. Others gives, uh, give objects made of precious substances. Some again give their children and wives, others their own flesh, or offer when bidden their hands and feet, striving to gain supreme enlightenment. Some give their heads, others their eyes, others their dear own body, and after cheerfully bestowing their gifts, they aspire to the knowledge of the, of the Tathagatas. Here and there, O Manjushri, I behold, who have abandoned their flourishing kingdoms, harems, and continents, left all their counselors and kinsmen, and betaken themselves to the guides of the world to ask for the most excellent law, for the sake of bliss. They put on reddish-yellow robes and shave hair and beard. I see also many bodhisattvas, like monks, living in the forest, and others inhabiting the empty wilderness, engaged in reciting and reading. And some bodhisattvas I see, who, full of wisdom or constancy, betake themselves to mountain caves, where by cultivating and meditating the Buddha knowledge they arrive at its perception. Others, who have renounced all sensual desires by purifying their own self, have cleared their sphere and obtained the five transcendent faculties, live in the wilderness as true sons of the Sugata. Some are standing firm, the feet put together, and the hands joined in token of respect toward the leaders, and are praising joyfully the king of the leading jinas in thousands of stanzas. Some thoughtful, meek, and tranquil, who have mastered the niceties of the course of duty, question the highest men about the law, and retain in their memory what they have learnt. And I see here and there some sons of the principal jina, who, after completely developing their own self, are preaching the law to many cotus of living beings, with many myriads of illustrations and reasons. Joyfully they proclaim the law, rousing many bodhisattvas, after conquering the evil one with his hosts and vehicles, they strike the drum of the law. I see some sons of the Sugata, humble, calm, and quiet in conduct, living under the command of the Sugatas, and honored by men, goblins, gods, and titans. Others, again, who have retired to woody thickets, are saving the creatures and the hells by emanating radiance from their body, and rouse them to enlightenment. There are some sons of the Jina who dwell in the forest, abiding in vigor, completely renouncing sloth, and actively engaged in walking. It is by energy that they are striving for supreme enlightenment. I could go on, uh, but uh, you know, I think I think twenty minutes is enough. the uh, The episode itself is uh, is pretty long, so I figured. You know, why not do a little bit of extra reading? I didn't get to the part that I wanted to get to, 
but uh, you know, I'll just I'll just keep uh, reading this in the intros to uh, to the Esoteric Nerd episodes until I get to what I wanted to get to, and then uh, until I get bored with it. Our guest tonight, Daniel Garber, has had a long and strange trip in life, uh, but recently, and by recently, I mean. Um, you know, the past few years, uh, he has been wholeheartedly 100% delved into the Lakota spiritual path. And I will let him uh, uh, explain beyond that. His path, from what I, if I remember correctly, started around 1992, uh, but then it really got going with the, um, the Standing Rock protest a few years back. And uh, again, if you haven't heard episode 81, maybe just hit pause right now, go back and listen to that. And then if you, uh, again, if you have lots of time on your hands and you're interested in this subject, uh, and you know, then uh, you, uh, go ahead and dial it back if you haven't heard already episode 104, Daniel Garber 3. Uh, but, you know, without further ado, let's uh, move on with episode 105, Daniel Garber 4. That's not confusing at all. And uh, uh, get to that. Um, did we start with a co-host? I don't remember. Well, let's just let's just get to that interview, shall we? had your coffee yet i have i'm on coffee number two here i'll switch to okay. audio <laughs> good you you look perky <laughs> yeah i'm i'm faking it here wait uh stop the video there we go <laughs> so we we don't have a co uh, our co-host yet but uh glad to glad to hear your voice yeah how have you been so how is it over there in india Oh, well, geez, it's uh, right now it's a little warm here in Goa. Um, it'll uh, start raining in about two months and then it won't stop raining for about four months. So that'll be fun. Isn't Goa where they used to have those psychedelic beach parties? Yeah, they still do. I mean, right now they're sort of on pause. They still do have some parties now and then. I see some, some uh, clubs and bars lit up and you know, with some music and stuff like that. So yeah, the tourism is happening. It's just a little bit muted right now. It's uh, it's all people from Delhi and other parts of India uh, coming on vacation in Goa or uh, people who are working from home because of COVID. They, some of them shift and just stay here while they're, you know, working from home. Yeah. So you like it over there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I always struggled a little bit with heat um and uh it never gets cold here in the in the winter time at night it gets down to oh that's nice <laughs> no it, it can get like slightly chilly but it never gets cold um so that yeah i'm i'm a tropical climate is definitely new to me i uh i couldn't resist though because i love the rain are we on the record right now or are we yeah. still off yeah yeah we're we on are. It's always something, huh? 
Well, thanks for uh, giving me um, an opportunity to do the real thing as opposed sure. to the rehearsal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a fun episode, but uh, it's good to have a clearer connection and not be cutting in and out, you know. And we only I, really uh, covered a little bit last time, I think. Yeah, I dragged myself away from the shop. I was actually over at the shop again, oh. <laughs> working on working on shamanic horse, sha horse uh, staffs. Uh, and, I, and I managed to realize that... I, I needed to get back here in time. So I, <laughs> well, thank you. I made a point of that. That's good. Yeah, that, that horse staff was reminding me. I forget the woman's name. I think it starts with an O, an O-E or something. She's, yeah, but if you, if you look on YouTube for Siberian shaman woman, she's the one who pops up. And she does these live performances and becomes a horse at times. <laughs> reminded me when you were describing that. Oh, you should give me the link to that because oh, I don't I yeah. don't know who that is. Sure, sure. I'll send it. Later on. Yeah. So you're in uh in Washington still. I'm in Washington State. I'm in um a suburb of Seattle called Bremerton. Uh it's where the US Navy shipyards are. Okay. Uh and that's why there are so many metalworking experts here because they're retired people from the shipyard. Oh, okay. That makes sense. They have lots of like nice equipment, plasma cutters and uh, laser cutters. Wow. And little awesome stuff. Some serious smithing. Yes. Hmm. Pew is, uh, uh, Pew is my wife. Priel is her formal name. Um, she's, fascinated by the the pacific northwest it's uh it's nicer than we let on yeah it is really nice isn't it <laughs> How how's the weather right now it's very nice actually it's in the 60s higher upper 60s uh sunny uh unseasonably warm <laughs> and um the place where I'm about to take off to in South Dakota, the Pine Ridge or Rosebud reservations have been in the high 80s. Mm, that's a so uh, it seems to indicate that there's some kind of climate change going on. Mm, yeah. So normally, now South Dakota, is it normally hotter or it's normally cooler? No, it wouldn't be this warm. Okay. You know, uh, South Dakota is... Uh, it's a little bit, it's like Utah. Okay. Uh, North Dakota is more like Montana in terms okay. of latitude. Got it, got it. And you're going to North Dakota. I'm going to South you're Dakota. You're going to South Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Get my Dakotas mixed up. And the... the, the... But, but actually, actually, North and South Dakota... They're both the Dakotas because they were originally the Lakota land. Oh, it, it, it's it's actually owned by the Lakotas, and and we we stole it from them. I see, I see. Yeah, that reminds me a little bit of uh, how the Portuguese arrived in Japan, or no, the Portuguese arrived in in Korea, and asked them, "Is there anything further east? Is it if we keep going? Is there will we hit anything?" And they said, "Oh." Uh, Nippon, and they said, what, Hapon? Well, we'll spell that with a J, just to be sure. <laughs> That's where that came from. Yeah. It was like a Korean pronunciation of, of Nippon. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, welcome. 
Hey, Dr. Welcome. Robert here. All right. Uh, How glad to hear you guys. Sounds like everybody's uh, fully connected uh, around the uh, virtual campfire here. Yeah. We are well connected. We are well connected. My, uh, it, one of my sons wants to come say hi. Uh, uh, Edward, lived with, Edward lived with us for a few weeks while he was here, uh, Mr. Daniel. So uh, my sons got used to uh, seeing Edward and joking around with him. I'm going to let him jump on and say hi. Okay. Okay. Here, sounds good. How are you? Good. That's good. Um, tomorrow I'm going to school. Oh, congratulations. In person or on yep. the screen? In person. Wow. Good for you. That's great news. That's the way it should be. He jumped up. Well, he jumped off the horn. He gave him back to me and went running back in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so kids are going back to, to say hi. Yeah, their first their first day going back. Uh, quarantine is a, you know, uh, LA is kind of a sort of doing a hybrid model to try to have uh, kids be able to come back and have in person learning with their friends and stuff. But they're doing it in modules so that there's not as many kids in the room at one time. Okay. So they're kind of uh, shuffling them through this sort of like A B format. You're either afternoon or a morning kid, you know, and um, it, it makes me wonder how when we go back to work, uh, you know, all the redundant meetings and all the sitting in traffic, there's so much that we can do without that we can do at home now. Yeah. So it makes me wonder how the average uh, nine to five job will, will be affected as people, you know, kind of all come to that conclusion. We really don't have to do half the stuff that we do really to make this work, you know, right. um, all the time in traffic, especially being one of them. Mm. Um, yeah, and needing to be sitting in that particular seat in that building. I mean, on one hand, yeah, the, they can look at you and make sure you're doing your work or whatever. But I don't know. Most of the people are on Facebook anyway and just have their hands on the alt tab ready to make it look like they're working. Uh, you know, I, that, that definitely is often the case. But we want to try to uh, pry that sort of digital... Uh, addiction potential away from them at least until they're older you know? yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it it really is hard to, to keep keep them focused sometimes like you're constantly in there and it's like they know how easy it is just to flip open a youtube tab and mm. then all of a sudden you're watching some remix of pirates of the caribbean you know <laughs> <laughs> the crabs that turn into rocks but anyway um, uh, br Brother Daniel, wh where where are you at geographically right now? I know you've been uh, in route on quite a journey. Um, I haven't taken off. Well, I, I'm I'm sort of circling the airport now, uh, waiting to to leave. Oh. I'm I'm in a suburb of Seattle called Bremerton. That's where the Bremerton Naval Shipyard is, uh, and that's where I used to live. So I have a lot of contacts here, and that's how. I know the metal workers because the uh, as the shipyard metallurgists age and retire, they then become available to do cool shit with uh, metals. So that's what I've been doing here. Um, as, I, as I've been hanging out, waiting to leave. All right. I know and, the and, staffs you were describing sound really fascinating. Yeah, the shamanic staffs. Yeah, you you're can, taking us with you, right? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I was commissioned to make them by a uh, woman who practices Mongolian shamanism. 
um, and I have to deliver them to her before I leave. Oh, wow. Okay. But I have some extra sets that I made as long as I was making them. So. Nice. Now, do you have any pictures of them yet, or are they not to be photographed? Oh, yeah. They're hmm. all over Facebook. Oh, okay. I'll check uh, it out. Yeah, I can, I can make sure you get some copies of those. Uh, they have actual horse hair on them. Uh, and so I was, I was uh, making these shamanic horse staffs under the guidance and tutelage of uh, Nicholas Breezewood, who has the empowerments from, uh, from the Buryat themselves. And uh, uh, so they were made ceremonially and by adding the horse hair themselves, we've we've imbued the horse spirit to them. Hmm. Um, and I, I could talk a little bit more about how that works with with Lakota uh, metaphysics. Sure, uh, yeah. But, yeah, Mongolian yeah, shamanism in Lakota terms. Yeah, the the these indigenous people seem to have many similarities about the way they see the world. Hmm. And I and agree. I noticed. Yeah. I noticed that you know you, you started out by saying we are connected um exclamation point yes we are we're, we're connected the 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 synchronistic thing about that utterance is that in the lakota way their their af their main aphorism is is in lakota mitakaway oyasin and what that means is we are all connected nice we are connected to everything. We are connected to the animals. We're connected to the trees. We're connected to the stones. We're connected to all the other people on the planet. That's the main thing about their worldview mm. that, that's, that really sums them up. And you said it from the get-go. We are connected. <laughs> Indeed, we are. And in fact, that's the way they would end any kind of meeting like this. They would say oh. that and... and uh, it's when they pray, they they use that. It means, it's almost like a doxology in the liturgy. Yes, it is. And it's, it's like saying amen. Mm. Uh, okay. it, it means my relations. You're addressing your relations. You're, you're addressing your relatives. Mm. Mm. That, that is similar to a lot of, uh, I know the Korean shaman, I've studied some... Uh, uh, one of my partner's ancestors is, uh, was a shaman in Korea, and, and they have a similar practice to some of the Japanese uh, shaman and like sort of the early Shinto stuff. Um, and the way that they talk about like elemental spirits and directional spirits, um, I mean, there, there definitely is kind of this universal nature religion that seems to have been present, uh, you know, across the Bering Strait and on. Um, I know yes. it was really interesting uh, when I was up in Alaska reading about, you know, the first migrations that came across the Bering Strait when Homo sapiens was just evolving, you know, the first migrations into the hemisphere and, and then the second and, and how the cultures kind of shaped as they went down the coast. Um, and uh, have, have you gotten to know any of the, uh, besides the Lakota there, you know, in the central part of the continent. Have you gotten to know any of the uh, native tribes in your area of Seattle and the Pacific Northwest? I have, I've done ceremony with them. Uh, tell, me how, tell me what that is like. They're called the Coast Salish. Okay. The uh, Coast Salish includes the Hyedas, 
and uh, the Duwamish, the Tulalip, uh, Suquamish, all, all these place names that, that we have now in the, in the Northwest were based on the old tribal names. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, uh, the Coast Salish have active uh, genetic or hereditary shamans. Uh, to this day, they're practicing full-on shamanism, and in academic circles, there is there are some feelings nowadays that in North America there isn't any real shamanism here. They they say that it what it is is real. It's animistic. It's not shaman shamanistic. It's not sh real shamanism. Mm -hmm. But but it but in fact, the coastal Salish, everything that they do is has all of the qualities and attributes that siberian or mongolian or tibetan shamanism has and and in fact i would argue that the lakotas have that as well that's interesting uh, it, i hadn't considered it, the it, difference yeah the uh it, it there are certain criteria that that have to be met for a practice to be shamanic and one of them is that the spirits have to choose you Another another one is that you are possessed by the spirit and the spirit acts <coughs> through you to heal people. Hmm. And, 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 the, and another one is that they do spirit travel. They, they travel into spirit realms, they confront spirits, they, they talk to spirits, they cajole them, they sometimes fight with them, they, they convince them to help them heal somebody. Well, all of these things in, in in traditional uh asian shamanism i've i i know for a factor being done by coastal salish and and by lakota people that i know hmm. were, were those two regions of native americans uh knowledgeable of each other i know that chaco canyon in the south it brought together there were creek indians that would uh, uh come from like mississippi and and, and choctaw and and there were uh tribes from all over the southern part of the continent that would meet at Chaco Canyon where did the northern tribes like from the Pacific Northwest and then the Lakota the High Plains did they have any awareness that they these other groups existed I wonder well I think there was lots of travel going on mm -hmm. uh the uh the Lakotas themselves would oftentimes go on what's called a Zuya a Zuya is a road trip or an adventure oh beautiful uh, and and they would be gone for years sometimes. And they would travel, you know, like vagabonds heading south, you know, down to Mexico. And uh, they came back to their people with, uh, with things like copal, uh, which is a, a, re a resin uh, used for incense. And it's one of the, the sacred uh, uh, herbs that's used by the Lakotas. Well, that doesn't come from, uh, the northern plains it comes from mexico mm -hmm. so so they there there has to have been a lot of travel a lot of trade going on it, also between the northwestern tribes and the the central american tribes i'm sure uh, you know and, and i think i think the medicine people when 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 a medicine person knows meets another medicine person you just know it you know yeah and it's yeah. and it's not it's not I don't think that there would be 
much risk of uh, uh, of of you know being captured or or tortured or killed or whatever if you meet another medicine person. I think medicine people are are were almost uh, universally respected too. They probably used a lot of the same uh, symbology and sacred geometry and some of the the rock art, you know, definitely has some similarities. Um, I started yeah. one of the chapters of my journey into getting to know the elemental spirits and, and nature as a deity was um, I was looking at some uh, petroglyphs with a ranger friend of mine. Um, we'll just call him Ranger Anthony because he's not necessarily supposed to show people these, but he really trusts me. Um, and uh, we were talking about how much of ancient consciousness was taken up with by narratives about the stars and the sky and just thinking about wow we just don't really spend time under the sky to like really feel it feel the draw you know to feel it pulling on mm -hmm. us and and so i i uh, he dared me to sleep outside for to see if i could do it for a whole month to see if i felt any different and uh, uh i ended up doing it for several years <laughs> um just because it really did feel different um I almost would feel claustrophobic sleeping back inside. Well, I grew up I grew up in Montana. I was born and raised there, and it's called Big Sky Country. Right. And, and at, at night, you know, it's just one big dome over you dotted with stars. Um, and and I think I think all of these old cultures have star lore involved. Uh, yeah. the, the, the Lakotas have very rich star lore that I've been learning. Um, and, and one of them is that uh, when we are born and when we come into this world, spirit gives us, uh, well, the great spirit gives us our own spirit by, by reaching up and plucking a star and that star is our spirit. And they give hmm. that to us when we're born. And then when we die, our spirit has to go back to the stars again. And, mm -hmm. and the people themselves are supposed to have come from the stars. Some people say they came from the Pleiades. The, uh, the Lakotas that I've talked to uh, don't mention really the Pleiades. What they talk to is the, the Big Dipper. They say mm -hmm. that's the oh. source. The bear. Oh. Wow. But they do call themselves uh, the star people. You know, in Alaska, the peoples of Alaska, the Big Dipper was, you know, salient. And of course, the North Star is right there. Um, but um, yeah, that, that's fascinating. That constellation was, was a salient to some of these uh, people in this hemisphere as much as maybe Orion and the Dog Star were to maybe some of the Mediterraneans. Uh, for whatever reason mm, the big dipper the bear well, that was uh they there was if i recall correctly and uh, take this with a grain of salt because it might have been a clickbait that i heard about <laughs> but uh <laughs> what what i heard was that they that in the neanderthal uh site they found bear skulls arranged exactly like the bear constellation which is the uh, oh. big dipper so they I'll so in other words neanderthals thought of that constellation as the bear constellation very interesting i, I like I like to think of that, how much of our, of, of our archetypes were formulated by prior hominids. Right, yeah. And that's certainly before the Bering Strait. I, I always imagine uh, there's some type of relationship with nature, maybe some type of sixth sense that 
inevitably, as we rely more on technology, we kind of, there's a give and take, we kind of inevitably relinquish this Some other of our thing natural that we ability. had. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I was reminded today, actually, uh, about the this whole Bering Strait in, uh, situation. Um, you referred to it earlier. Mm -hmm. The the Lakotas that I know and the indigenous people that I know now don't agree with that. They don't believe in that. They mm. think that they've oh. been here forever and that they've been here a long, long time. And right. in fact, and in fact, they uh, they say that you know there there have been been fossil findings lately that indicate that that there are people that have been on the on this hem, hem, been on this uh, continent much longer than that supposed uh, uh, travel across the Bering Straits happened. Uh, there, there, there are there have been uh, fossil findings that are thirty thousand years old here. Uh, there are, I think, there's a there's DNA evidence that there's a there's somebody out there in South Dakota who has been here much longer than like most people. So they, huh. they, they, don't, they don't subscribe to the Bering Straits uh, theory and, and, and that's what they base their claim to the land on. They say that they were not immigrants. They were hmm. here already. Interesting. And they actually, the, uh, the, you know, I said something about they, they say they come from the stars, uh, but one of their origin uh, myths is that they were underground at first. Um, and then there was a point where there, there's a whole myth, myth origin story about how they emerged from underground through a place called the wind cave. And the wind cave is a real cave that's in the Black Hills of South mm -hmm. Dakota, which, which, you know, the uh, the U.S. government stole from them. Right. So that, that that's one that's one of the uh, sacred sites that they don't have ownership of any longer. It's owned by the National Park Service. Um, I I went and visited it a year a year or two ago. Uh, and it's really a remarkable place. It's called the wind cave because it breathes. Mm. Um, if the if the air outside is warmer than the than the air inside, the air inside will breathe outward, and it, and vice versa. So that there's this there's this constant kind of flow of air in and out of this cave. Hmm. Wow. But you know the Hopis say that they came from underground as well. Oh, that's. Wow, that's interesting. There's always you know, their their hmm? kivas, their their ceremonial kivas are circular. They're like a sweat lodge, only they're like uh, like underground, I think. And the, the only way you can get into a kiva is through a hole in the in the ceiling, and that hole in the ceiling is metaphorical for the way that they emerged from underground and came to our world. Hmm. Mm. You were talking about Mongolian shaman. I know the Siberian shaman had a structure like that. Yeah, that was, the Santa Claus It was Claus like man. a teepee. Yeah, and uh, they, when the snow would accumulate, you know, th and these are the people that live high in the in the tundra. You know, when the snow would accumulate, you know, they would just kind of uh, 
it'd be down there under it and it's almost like a type of a submerged teepee slash igloo sort of thing and and you'd come in and out of the chimney uh on the ladder and uh some anthropologists think that that could be related to the santa claus and and they would often bring the uh muscaria mushrooms amanita muscaria um and you know of course if you have nothing else to do during a long winter you know uh, eating mushrooms is probably not a bad thing to do um well one of the things that one one of the cultures that uh did that especially were the sami and and they're they're like the reindeer herders of Nor norway right right and and i've i've uh, Facebook can be amazing, the people that you can hook up with. And I, I was actually talking to a Sami uh, on Facebook, and we were comparing uh, oh. the, the Lakota ways with Sami ways, and they're very, very similar. I would um, like to preserve that and, conversation for posterity. That's and interesting. The, 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 the Sami, you know, they have, they, they have like teepee structures that they lived in the winter. And uh, they they herded their reindeer. The reindeer would eat this Amanita muscaria, and the uh, essential uh, chemicals of the Amanita would get filtered out in the urine of the reindeer, and then they would drink that urine. The sh the shamans, the mm -hmm. Sami shamans, would drink the urine of the reindeer and and trip on the Amanita muscaria. But uh, the uh, so the Sami are very similar to Lakotas, but also the Tibetan the Tibetan people the Tibetan people feel like they're the the mountain brothers of the Lakotas. I know I know some T Tibetans, and that's the way they talk about the Lakotas. You know, it's like the huh. Lakotas the Lakotas are their distant relatives. There was a, uh, a what's the, do you know the term uh, the treasure finders in Tibet? I forget. Uh, in uh, Shimbalaya, I don't know if you're up on all the shenanigans. Um, Shimbalaya is basically the uh, the big international uh, Tibetan organization that's popular in uh, Europe and the U.S. That was founded by Chugyong Trungpa. Very controversial, especially these days. Anyway, that's enough since it's off topic. But um, but there was a, a treasure finder in that context who said that Padma Sambhava said that in 700 years, the red man will learn the ways of, uh, of his path and uh, something like that. I, I have a quote in, uh, in another episode. And uh, so that was kind of uh, just something to take with a grain of salt because those treasure finders, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting I'm really, thing. Hmm? I, I'm really fascinated uh, in, term, in Tibetan Buddhism, I think the thing that fascinates me the most is uh, this concept of the Bayul, the land that is so sacred that you're not allowed to war, uh, you're not even allowed to, to hunt on, on certain sacred lands, and just how that being, there being almost a primacy to that. And, and I could see certainly how that corresponds with the Native American ideal that pretty much the whole world is a Bayul, mm. uh, a sacred uh, land, which yeah, that's, that's, definitely that's innately, innately spiritual. I might I might uh, interject and say that the for the Lakotas that might be the uh, the uh, pipestone quarries in Minnesota, the mm. in 
the uh, pipestone is this red catlinite stone that they made their pipes of. Huh. And and uh, all tribes were allowed to go to the quarry and quarry the sacred pipestone and, and they were given free pass. It was like their war, war and violence was not allowed there. Right. Which indicates to you how, how sacred they feel about the pipe. The pipe is like the most sacred object that they have. Yeah. The peace pipe, right? Well, peace is sort of a, a, a misnomer given to right. it by white culture. It's, it's, it's uh, the Lakota word for that is chinupa. Mm. And, it, and it means uh, sacred pipe. Chinupa wakan means sacred pipe. Mm. Okay. I never realized how sacred alcohol, uh, alcohol, sacred <laughs> tobacco was um, until uh, I was helping out at Occupy Ice. There was a, a big group of people that had been, they had just gotten back from uh, the uh, Staple Pipeline protest and they lived for a long time and they would do morning prayers with Lakotas and, um, and uh, they, would, they would use tobacco during these ceremonies. And it was interesting, the ones who said they had smoked addictively, they actually, uh, were able to kind of get their tobacco use under control just by using it ceremonially. And that was kind of fascinating. But uh, did they have any other entheogens besides tobacco, which is mood altering in, in large doses for sure. I know well, Jimson weed was what they used on the West Coast with the Indians in California. Yeah. Uh, um, they, I, I, I'm constantly am amazed at the things that I learn. And of course, I'm, I'm just a, uh, I was to a white man, and I and I don't, I, I wasn't raised in their culture, so I can't speak for them. But uh, I have learned a lot, and and one of the interesting things is is that uh, in addition to their reverence for tobacco, uh, they have reverence for what's called the red willow bark. Uh, it's called chanchasa, chanchasa. Oh. It's, it's the inner bark of the red willow. That was the original sacred smoking mixture that was used before tobacco. And, and tobacco came later. Tobacco, oh. is, a, tobacco is a powerful <clears throat> herb. It has a, you know, each, each plant has a different spirit. Mm -hmm. and, and so when you work with those spirits, each one has got a different kind of feel, a different kind of, uh, different attributes, uh, different modalities. The uh, tobacco is a powerful spirit, but the original sacred smoking herb is, is willow, or red willow anyway. And in mm -hmm. fact, uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned in, in my own practice, uh, I've done ceremony with Blackfeet and the, and the Blackfoot people use tobacco in their pipes exclusively almost the the lakotas oftentimes have a mixture in their pipe uh, they might have tobacco mixed with other herbs but um, as i got more immersed in into my own uh community my own teachers that was actually one of the things that was on the tip of my tongue it was like so what should i use in the pipe and I actually uh, 
I was going to ask my teacher that at, at uh, the Sundance that I was at. And uh, I was, I was, I had been dancing that for a couple of days and I was very, very sunburned. And he came up to me and he, uh, he said, you look very burnt. Do you want some uh, medicine on it? And I said, sure. And so he brought out this red ochre and he started painting my whole body with red ochre. And then wow. he looks me, then he locks eyes with me and looks me right in the eye and he says, we only put red willow bark in our pipes, nothing else. Mm. Wow. What, what is it like? What, what compounds are in it? Do you know? Is it like DMT or? Well, red, uh, it, it's, it's not, I don't think it's really psychoactive. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, a very, it's a very pleasant smoke. It, okay. it, tastes, it tastes good. And it, and it uh, the, the willow has uh, analgesic uh, properties, you know, because huh. that's, that's where aspirin comes from. Okay. It comes from the 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 wind. what is that oh, sound was... is that miso well, on, my, on my end i have a a, a rabid uh, miss gruffles and and a helicopter a police helicopter oh, no. competing i think miss gruffles is is yelling at the police helicopter she's like what the police Oh, that's, a, that, that's such an la thing as the the like I helicopters know, flying yeah. around at night constantly yep it's a uh, yeah. It's becoming more and more frequent. Sadly, um, I've Mr. only heard Garber, one helicopter in Goa. Lucky, <laughs> um, Mr. Garber. What's uh? What are the hot issues that are happening on the ground right now with the pipelines and, and the natives trying to protect the bayules of America, and as non-native, non-indigenous people, uh, if we do show up to help at something, what is the protocol so that we don't seem impositional or colonizing in any way okay um the big thing is the keystone pipeline has been stopped by biden the mm -hmm. there there's another pipeline <clears throat> up there that well there 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 are quite a few pipelines that the uh, activists are after uh, mm -hmm. but the the uh the main one, of course, the main preoccupation at the moment is the DAPL pipeline, a certain redundancy there because it's the Dakota Access Pipeline pipeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the, uh, the, uh, the in, in, I can give you my point of view about it. The, uh, yeah. the DAPL pipeline, since I was at Standing Rock and involved in that uh, right up until almost the end in February, the, uh, and, and I was there the day that the, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers came down with the ruling that they had to stop the pipeline and wait for an environmental impact study. That was, cool. in, that was in December of 2016. And we thought that we had won a major battle with that. Uh -huh. And, that, and uh, at that time, <clears throat> At that time, uh, Obama was a lame duck, and uh, it was it was Obama's Army Corps of Engineers that that came down with that ruling, and I think that he had something to do with that. The uh, and then in in January, Trump Trump is uh, 
inaugurated. And one of the first things that he did was uh, wipe that all away and 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 say that the uh, environmental impact statement was not required. He did that with an executive order, and then oh. and then they proceeded to then they they <laughs> then they proceeded to uh, try to kick everybody off of the uh, protest lands in, at Standing Rock, and they did they they accomplished that on February twenty third. Jesus, yeah. Uh, the, in case uh, you needed one more thing to be annoyed with Trump about. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the the. Uh, the, the thing is, uh, Trump had had a personal interest in in the pipe pipeline and and in that company. He had mm. he had he owned shares of the company. I think he divested it after the election, but he still had that he still had that connection. And and I wouldn't be surprised if 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 his kids right. still had those investments. You know, some loophole. Yeah, but. but so for the last four years, we've been kind of dealing with the fact that that they had carte blanche to do whatever they want, and they've been pumping oil. The uh, since Biden was uh, elected, there have been a lot of high hopes that that's going to be reversed because the first one of the first things that he did was he uh, said no to the Keystone pipeline, but mm -hmm. the he's been slow to react about the the dapple pipeline and there 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 are some court cases that are that are currently active the standing rock sioux tribe has been litigating heavily against the pipeline and and they they think that the pipeline is operating illegally without the proper permits um and there 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 was a hearing just a few days ago where the the tribe uh, was told by the it's it's between the tribe and the Army Corps of Engineers, as I understand it, and it has to do with these environmental impact studies. And I'm, I'm and I think what the court said was that they were going to put it on hold again for another 30 days or something. They've been kind of the court's been kind of putting off the uh, the uh, the the there, there hasn't been a ruling, a definitive ruling telling. They're kicking the can. Yeah, and it keeps going. Uh, I'm, I'm following it pretty closely because I actually worked for the Lakota uh, People's Law Project, and, oh, really? and they're, they're one of the ones that are, that are heavily involved in this litigation. The Standing Rock Sioux Tribe is, is, is heading this up because it, you know. That it was right there on their land, but the Lakota People's Law Project is also involved in that. There's a Native American woman that is leading the Department of the Interior now. Is she working yeah. actively on this stuff too, or is she, I mean, do you feel but, like she's making a difference, or is she just token? That's Deb Halland. Okay, I, I'm not not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but she's a uh, Navajo, I think. Diné is what they call it. Okay. From and uh, there, there are very high hopes about that because that's like, it's a major thing to have uh, the head of the Department of Interior to be number one, a woman, and number two, to be indigenous. Mm. Uh, the, the Department of Interior was the, the active arm of the federal government that put down the people. And, and, and she's already made a lot of positive moves, especially um, 
she's been working on the the issue of the missing uh, uh, indigenous women. There's lots of missing uh, women that have and lately, uh, and and there's a lot of speculation about why that might be. And and it has it. Some of it has to do with uh, what are called the man camps. The man camps are these camps that spring up around the the pipeline construction. Um, and and native women seem to go go missing around them. Uh, that's one of the issues, and the, the 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 larger mass media doesn't seem to be interested in 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 all of these missing indigenous women. A uh, quick question: the uh, the man camps are those made up of the employees who are working on the Keystone Pipeline? Are, uh, yeah, or... on on any on any of these pipelines, particularly the Dapple one. So these and are basically also, also like the, uh, um, the shell oil people are like that too. They have these camps that are just like flash camps that'll just show up and mm. it's boom, boom, boom for like two years and then everybody leaves. I, I've have I've heard that there's a lot of sex trafficking all across the, the that northern stretch. So, uh, some of these girls, you know. So the uh, <laughs> I think that the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline is going to heat up more. I, I, I predict that it's not going away for sure. The, mm -hmm. uh, the, the matriarch, the Lakota matriarch who was very seminal in the protest just passed away a few couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, LaDonna Allred, I think is her name. Mm -hmm. she, uh, she owned the property uh, on the Cannonball River where the protest originally started. And uh, she's a member of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, I believe. <clears throat> and, um, the, uh, I, I've just noticed over the last couple of days the amount of uh, grief that people have been expressing at her loss because she was such a leader. She was, she was one of the ones you know, she opened up her own property and allowed people to come in and camp, and they they established the what was called the uh, the um, sacred stone camp. There were various wow. sub there were various camps that were suburbs surrounding the big uh, Standing Rock camp. The big Standing Rock camp was called Ocheti Sakowin, which means the seven council fires, huh. and uh, that actually fulfilled a prophecy, by the way. Uh, because it was the first time that the seven Lakota nations had come together in one camp since the Battle of the Little Bighorn. Mm. Wow. Uh, Ocheti Sakawan means the seven council fires. And each one of the tri each one of the bands or tribes of the Lakotas, there are seven of them, they had their own teepee and they set them all up you know, in a big circle. Um, and uh, that's the council fires. The this the sur smaller surrounding camps uh one of them was called the rosebud camp uh that's one of the the bands or tribes of the lakotas and then there was the sacred stone camp that i was just talking about they were across the river from from the main camp the um when 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 the camps were overrun by the police in february everybody escaped across the river across the Cannonball River back to uh, safe land, which was where this Rosebud camp was and where the, the uh, 
the uh, sacred stone camp was. It's where this woman's property was. <laughs> is that the is that the river where the famous picture that shows um, all those women getting sprayed uh, by those water cannons in the river when it's like in the middle of winter time? I remember there's this one picture. Just it's so otherworldly um, yeah, and apocalyptic. I, yeah, I don't I don't know if that's the Cannonball River or the Missouri River. There, there was an island there called Turtle Island. It seems seems to me, and that's that's where some of that was, where the 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 pepper spray incidents were. There were so many of those kinds of incidents. Do you see a time coming in the next year where they'll need outside help from non non-native people to come and and assist? And if so. What would be the proper protocol for doing that in a way that's respectful? Okay, I personally think that's probably coming. Yeah, and, and I would I would welcome it, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if there's no movement by the court, mm. um, and and by the Biden administration. I was just reading something on the news uh, about how the Biden administration is kind of flummoxed about how they want to attack that issue and whether they want to at all. Um, seems like they're kind of avoiding it so far. But um, the I, I, I and, and then, you know, they're, they're, they're all, okay, if we wanted to go, well, originally, the original Standing Rock protest, mm-hmm. what happened was that the people, the, the indigenous Lakotas who were on site at the protest decided to invite the outside world. Mm-hmm. They, they, they put out a call for help, for, for allies to come and help them. So uh, I would wait for that. I would wait for that call to be invited mm. to come. Okay, where do they put the call out? Is there a place you can check in? Or we'll just well, hear about what, it. What, what happened originally was Chief Arville Looking Horse put out a call on social media. Okay. And, and when when and when I read that, that's when I decided I had to go. It's it's, uh, it's a little bit more involved story than that because I had some personal invo- involvement. Uh, a friend of mine got arrested when I heard the story, and then I also, you know, read. Um, Irv a looking horse asking for the allies to come and help. And when I heard that, of course, I had to go. But that's what I would wait for. And when you get there, you, you, uh, you're you on their land, you're a guest, and you should right. act that way. Uh, there, there, there is a tendency of white people to kind of take charge and think that they know all the answers and know how to do things. And one of the things that that is a stark reality at the camp is that that's just not the way it's done there. We we right. are there to we are there to help them, and they they tell us what they would like us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in, in my previous podcast interview with Edward, I talked a lot about eighty one the 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 details of of my experience at the Standing Rock camp uh, and how what a magical place it was. Uh, it was a uh, 
it was a prayer camp. There are different kinds of camps. There are hunting camps. There are war camps. This was the prayer camp, and it was established in a, in a very ceremonial and solemn way. <coughs> and so, Wait, there's a there's a war camp I can connect with. There, 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 <laughs> yeah, there are different kinds of camps. That's yes, that's interesting like a, to bring up, like a ceremony sort of, like a like yeah. a type of camp in the astral that sometimes is in the material plane, but probably hasn't been in a little while, if I'm guessing. I'm, I'm thinking like Mars, Aries. <laughs> Something like that, probably. So the, uh, interestingly too, there are different kinds of pipes. There are war pipes, uh, and then there are hey. peace pipes, right? The- uh, Like the red and white, you, like the you, black and white pillars. You would, you would speak, you would smoke a, the pipe for a different intention, right? different mm -hmm. kind of prayer oh, there's the, crack the, pipes and there's the, the, <laughs> the question <laughs> the question now the timely question is what with everything else that's going on politically right now mm -hmm. uh are they going to continue to be peaceful uh is the idea that it's civil disobedience and peace and no weaponry or does it get more violent than that um there are it depends there on are, how many veterans they can get to come join the cause <laughs> well there are people that that are advocating for a more forceful response um i hear that uh my own opinion is i don't think that that is what would work i i, I mm -hmm. think that that really it's a battle of public opinion. Yeah. It's a it's 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 not a, a physical battle on a on a battlefield that's mm -hmm. gonna win this. It, it you win it, you win it by convincing people that what you're saying is true and right. And and if you if you start shooting cops and shooting police and shooting mm -hmm. uh, National Guard, you're gonna lose that battle, I think. That makes sense. It would certainly yeah. be more uh, painful. I mean, looking back at history, just as a quick aside, I don't want to go down a tangent, but one thing that changed everybody's opinion about war was uh, videotape. You know, war used to be glamorous and you'd look forward to your child growing up and going off to war, you know, and then, then they, everybody saw the videotape. And, phew, nasty. That is interesting how, how the, how the, war coming to the living rooms in Vietnam was, that was one of the biggest nodal points actually. Or in the- you know, It the, was in everybody's living room. The theaters people after- People had never uh, seen it for the first time and it, it, it no longer looked glamorous like, you know, you said, or- 1945 or when just, everybody saw the concentration camps, they, they aired it in uh, movie theaters. And, and speaking of in, in people's living rooms, uh, in, in my last interview, Edward and I were talking about one of the incidents that took place at Standing Rock while I was there and that was uh, the forgiveness ceremony that took place. Mm. Uh, the 7th Cavalry. And, yeah the 7th mm. Cavalry representatives. The present day 7th well, Cavalry. Yeah like uh, like I said many many veterans showed up at the camp and and I was one of them and uh, I happened to be uh, at the Sacred Fire one night uh, and I heard that the, the tribe was going to do a ceremony the next day at the casino. Um, 
to thank the veterans for coming. And that word didn't really get out to most of the veterans. It was all word of mouth. And I luckily I, I had heard about it. And so the next day I went up to the casino, there was a blizzard that was moving in. The blizzard uh, socked us into the casino during the ceremony. And there were only about 300 veterans present. And, and um, what, what I thought it was going to be like the, uh, the president of the Standing Rock Sioux tribe was going to thank us or something like that. But it turned out to be the spiritual leadership of the tribe, not the political leadership. And oh. um, the, the spiritual leaders were like Leonard Crow Dog, who was the spiritual leader at the Wounded Knee occupation in 73. Oh, uh, he, wow. He, he is the, he's still alive. He's, he's the, uh, he's the patriarch right now. It was clear that everybody was deferring to him. Uh, oh. The other, the other one was uh, Chief Arva Looking Horse, who I mentioned earlier. Arva Looking Horse is the keeper of the sacred white buffalo calf pipe. Uh, his brother, Ivan, um, there, uh, there are there were a handful of others but th those were the main ones the the spiritual leaders of the tribe were present and thanking us for coming and then the seventh cap the uh, representatives of the seventh cavalry who, who were veterans of the seventh cavalry in the army mm. stepped for stepped forward and, and sort of ceremoniously apologized to the lakota people for warring on them for a couple of years a couple hundred years like representatives from the u.s army right <clears throat> veterans veterans that had been in that in that specific in, yeah in, in the seventh cavalry oh and, wow and uh and so when when they apologized to the to the tribe i mean the 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 entire room was just silent you could have heard a pin drop and then uh leonard crow dog who was the patriarch, the, the leader, obviously, he, he puts his hand on the head of the, uh, of the representative from the 7th Cavalry and, and, and says that he accepts the apology and he forgives them. Uh, so that's why it became called the forgiveness ceremony. Mm. The, the tribe forgave us as white people I mean, most wow. of us, most of us, most of the veterans who came were white. Mm -hmm. uh, he forgave us for our hereditary uh, uh, trauma. You know, the, the 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 guilt that we feel for what our ancestors did to their ancestors. Uh, and wow. it was it was an extremely moving moment, and I happened to be there. Um, Edward Edward saw it, I think, at at, at home, and he he had yeah. he, he knew immediately what I was talking about. Yeah, it was being live streamed. But uh, the that is the kind of magic, the kind of that was that was. Standing Rock was the the most profound magical working I have ever seen. Mm. Uh, it was a sacred space. It was sanctified and consecrated, uh, and it just seemed like there was just magic going on all the time that you were in that space. 
um, and uh-huh. and any anybody that's been in the space knows what I'm talking about, and it's hard to describe to people that weren't there. You know, some he, of the young folks that used to used to help out at Occupy Ice Camp. We were down. We were camped downtown for like five months, and they came in with a lot of the same camping equipment that they had used at the Dapple, and they they all had they all had their own really transformative experience, you know, about synchronicities that happened. And they described it in a very similar way, like uh, this sort of field of energy was almost created there. Um, yeah, synchronicities were constant. I mean, it was like, if you had a need for something and you hadn't yet voiced it to anybody, uh, somebody would just kind of spontaneously walk up to you and hand you the thing that you needed and, and just walked away. It was like that sort of thing was common. Wow, that's that's a beautiful collective flow state. That's but, beautiful. Uh, what 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 we were kind of discussing is, you know, the the Dapple situation is continuing. This the the Standing Rock protest is probably, in my opinion, going to reemerge somehow in the near future if the court cases continue to not act uh, mm-hmm. because the the tribe feels like the tribe feels like the pipeline is operating illegally um and the uh i would i would expect to see another kind of spiritual camp like that happen the uh where the reason why I reached out to Edward and said I wanted to talk more about this is because uh, I'm actually on the verge of going out to South Dakota right now, and mm-hmm. and and my goal in going out there is to is to help my brothers and sisters on the Rosebud Reservation who are trying to create a uh, a a community there. Um, they're trying to build. Uh, environmentally sustainable housing uh, using organic materials, sort of like they use in the Southwest, adobe materials uh, to build dome-like uh, structures and try to try to build out a community that people can actually live in. And um, because the housing, the housing out on the reservations is so scarce. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been on the reservation the last two summers, and and there just is no spare housing anywhere. And uh, so many people are, you know, there are multiple families living in 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 one house, uh, and and uh, the government can't seem to take care of the problem. And uh, the the water protectors from Standing Rock that I know we're still a community we're still in touch with each other and 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 I heard this uh, that some people were were going to plan to do this this summer and so I signed on and that's what I'm getting ready to go go there for we've been waiting for the weather to get warm enough and uh, of course it'll be a spiritual community because of the people that are involved in this project they 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 are my friends from the Rosebud Camp, uh, the Rosebud mm-hmm. Camp, of course, were the people that came from the Rosebud Reservation, and and uh, that's where this project is going to be on the Rosebud Reservation, and mo- a lot of these people do ceremony on the Rosebud Reservation every summer. Uh, they 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 do Lakota ceremony in particular the Sundance, so 
uh, it's a spiritual community and, and, and I'm at the age of 65, I'm not getting any younger and I would love to be involved in, in like, uh, what in my youth was, I used to watch the older people, uh, the older hippies, you know, they would, they would build these communes and, and they had high hopes for, you know, creating a new, uh, a new world. Well, we can still do it. And I, and I think that in my own opinion, mm -hmm. uh, ever since, ever since I've been to Standing Rock, I've, I've felt that the Lakota ways are, are really the solution to our problems. So the, the Lakota ways can really heal the, the entire world. In fact, there are prophecies that say that that's going to happen. And, and the prophecies say that it, that it, it's not just the Lakotas that will do it for us. It's that we will, that all of the people of the different colors, all the dif different colored skins will come together as one and, and race will no longer be an issue. And, and um, it's called, those are called the rainbow prophecies. Uh, it's not just a Lakota prophecy there. I think, you know, there, Hope there are a lot have of, one like that, right? Yeah. There, there are, there are it, it, that the rainbow prophecies is sort of a kind of a mythological thing at this point. There, there's a lot of criticism that, that it, that it's not real and that it, that it might be a new age invention. Uh, I, I, I still think that, that the, the, the underlying sentiment for that is really, is really there in, 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 in the fundamental traditional Lakota ways. Uh, they, they don't believe in, in, in racism. Uh, they don't believe that you have to be a red man with a 100% pure blood red uh, quant blood quant quantum to, uh, to practice their ways. Um, and there are various spiritual leaders that have that have said this, that have preached this over the years. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research about it. It's uh, from crazy horse to, to black elk, to Frank fool's crow, to, to the current generation. They're, they're, the real medicine people believe mm -hmm. that, believe that they're not about, they're all about being simple, humble people. And, and, and being true to the earth, being caretakers of Mother Earth, and and not, you know, I, I, I there 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 are certain factions that are, uh, <clears throat> you know, against you know they're they're angry at the white man, and they want to get back at the white man. Yeah, and I understand it. I understand that that uh, ancestral and generational trauma that's being expressed yeah but but the real the real spiritual work is understanding where where that trauma is coming from and then and then healing that trauma and that's what what this spirituality is really about it's about finding out what that trauma is and healing it and, and, and it works extremely well for that purpose uh, that's why it, it works so well with people who are in recovery huh <laughs> You know, oftentimes, oftentimes you'll see people that are in twelve-step programs. You know, they'll be they'll be doing sweat lodge. Okay. Uh, wow. 
I know that um, I know that with the current ecological collapse that's already starting, uh, kind of worldwide, um, living with radical simplicity as close to the earth as possible, and growing as much of our own food as possible, that's going to become a necessity, and we will kind of necessity have to live uh, like that, live in the old ways which will force us into a more intimate connection with nature. Brother Dan, I was reading some Black Elk Speaks uh, one time and this word stood out to me. I don't know how to say it, it was W-A-T-I-K-O. And it was, it was very similar in the way he would use it to when Jesus said, you cannot worship both God and mammon. And it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He talked about this word, watiko or watiko or whatever, as being almost like this dark demonic cloud of avarice that takes over society. Mm -hmm. And, and he's, Black Elk said that the white man had this spiritual disease. Wait, you mean wasichu? Maybe that's what it was. Okay, how, yeah, how do you spell that? That's a, a really interesting concept. It's, uh... It's commonly spelled W-A-S-I-C-U. Okay. But but in the Lakota language, uh, these words often end in the word in the letter N, and that that N is 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 pronounced with a guttural sound, it or a glottal sound. It's Wasichung. Uh, um, the Wasichu is the, the, the common term for white man by the Lakotas. <laughs> okay. and, and, and Wasichu means um, the, the, the common understanding of the word is that it means he who takes the fat or the fat taker. He, for, for example, if, you're, if you kill the buffalo and you're cutting up, you're butchering the buffalo, the, the selfish one would take the best part. The, the best part is like, I, I'm not sure what the best part is, but I, I think it might be, you know, where the hump is. So, so the fat taker is the selfish one. Um, the, and, and obviously the white man has been very Selfish, uh, <laughs> taking the best part. Selfish, yeah. They take the land. They take, and and they're devious, and they they lie, and they cheat, and they promise that they're they make promises, they make treaties, and they break every single treaty. Uh, if I recall that, correctly, though, it had an older meaning, right? Yeah, yeah. I looked into the word more, uh, and we haven't really talked much about the metaphysics of Lakota yet, but. Uh, and and the different kinds of spirits that there are i did a lot of a Ooh, lot of research that I, did a lot of, I did a lot of research about that um because i i was a philosophy major and i kind of wanted to understand the fundamentals of cosmology you know before we get on to the details right so yeah. I, I wanted i wanted to start at the general and work to the specific so the uh I did some research on the word wasichu and looked at some very old Lakota dictionaries. And, and the word originally means something very powerful and magical. 
it can it can it can mean uh, a medicine bundle that a shaman has. Uh, that is a wasichum. Uh, the it can mean a, a spirit helper. It can it, and it, it it includes the word sichun in it. Sichun is one of the sixteen basic uh, fundamental high level spirits of the Lakota pantheon. Uh, sichun is the that essential spiritual element that is in a thing that makes it that thing. Like mm. if the boson. You, you know, like if you uh, if you're given an eagle feather, you now say that you have eagle mes medicine. The the eagle feather has that eagle spirit in it. Mm. That is the eagle sichun. The the if if you have a buffalo skull, that buffalo skull has the spirit of the buffalo in it. And that's the the Sichun spirit. Mm. That's the Sichun, uh, and, and and so Wasichun has the that magical spirit in the word. So it was a very powerful and magical thing originally, and I think when I I can con conjecture that when the the white people first arrived on the scene, that they must have been you know very the Lakotas must have been very awestruck by their arrival uh, they had these magical weapons uh, they they were dressed flamboyantly they looked differently they were they had golden hair and uh, so so uh, but unfortunately you know it was uh, it was all style and no substance for mm. them uh, but we we could talk a little bit more about the pantheon if you want. Yeah. Yes, I'd like to. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. Okay. So there, you know, you oftentimes hear that uh, the Lakotas have something called Wakantonka, and Wakantonka is, is supposed to be their god. The, you know, like it's the equivalent to the Christian god. Mm -hmm. That's that's not the case. Uh, Wakantonka means the great mystery. Uh, they they feel that uh, these things are so complicated and and inconceivable that that they are sacred. They are sacred because they are uh, that there's no way that we have the ability to understand it. And and so th that is that is Wakan. Wakan means sacred. Wakantanka means the big sacredness, the great, the great sacredness, mm -hmm. uh, the the great mystery. Um, so Wakantanka is everything that is. It's like the unity. It's like where where it's non-duality. Okay. And and it's made up of all of the things that are dual, right? It, it, in, a, in a way it's sort of like unified the field. uh it, it's sort of like the einstoff of the tree of life emerging mm. uh and and from that one point up there at kether it 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 comes out and it starts to become dual with chakma and bina right mm, yeah so mm -hmm. 
the there there is an uh, uh, an origin myth of the of the spirits. The first one that was there is Inyan. Inyan is the stone. It's the stone people. It's it's like the rock. It's like the earth that was there. The primordial earth is is a big rock. Mm. And and after that uh, came uh, Maha, which is the earth, because because he wanted company, right? So he creates earth. And the earth surrounds the rock, and then and then uh, you you have uh, just like other, soil. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And then then you have water up here, and and uh, then you have uh, the sun. The sun comes to illuminate everything. Let there be light, right? Hmm. So so there there are now four spirits. And each of these four spirits have a consort, so to speak. Um, and the sun's consort would be the moon. Uh, the the one of the consorts is Wakiyong, uh, which is the thunderbird. Um, there there is the Tate, which is the the wind. Uh, I don't have all of them on the, on the tip of my tongue right now, mm. but. Uh, so you so you have the the primordial four, and they have consorts, which are another set of four, and then you have a third set of four, and and the third set of four includes the buffalo spirit, which is the life giver, life force, uh, and you have the bear spirit. The bear spirit is the healing uh, force, and you have uh, the four winds which the four winds are the four directions. They're the children of the wind. Um, and then you have uh, a 12th one, which is interestingly, that one's called Yumni. It's called the whirlwind. It's the fifth uh, child of the wind. It's, it's not a directional wind. It's, uh, it, it's the whirlwind. It's like the tornado. It's mm. like the, the dust devil. Uh, and and interestingly enough, uh, I found some place that said that that's the spirit of love. Huh. <laughs> and, uh, and then like you have romantic love. Yeah, yeah. And that then you have sense. so so now you have you have twelve spirits so far. That leaves four more uh, because there's a total of sixteen uh, that make up Wakantonka. Wak, what Wakantonka is unity. And it's made up of all of these sub-spirits that are all duels of each other. The last wow. four, the last four, are the four parts of the soul. So for the uh, for the Lakotas, we have four spirits that make up our soul, and one of them is called the Nia. The Nia is the animating uh, element. It's the uh, it's the breath of life. It's what gives us life. It, and these, these four parts of the soul are given to us when we're born by uh, the high spirit that's called Taku Wakan Shkanshkan, which is, he's commonly called the great spirit. He's co commonly called Tunkashila, which means grandfather. He's, uh, he's the sky, he's grandfather sky. And when you're born, 
Grandfather Sky reaches up into the sky and he picks a star. And that star is given to you at birth. And, and, and that's what these four parts of the soul are. They're given to you by, by Grandfather Sky when you're born. The first one is like the breath of life. The second one is uh, called the Nagila, the Nagi, the Nagi, which is, um, it's like the ghost. It's like your ghost. It's your character. Mm. The, 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 the third one is called the Nagila. It, it's, uh, that one's a little hard to describe. Uh, oh. But the, the, the fourth one, the very last one, the 16th spirit of Wakantanka is what I was describing earlier. It's called the Sichun. It's that, it's that, it's that essence of things that make them what they are. It's like the eagle. Like the platonic spirit. ideal or something. Yeah, it might be called, might, yeah, platonic form. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, it, 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 you have it when you're, when you're born when oftentimes Sichun is, is in uh, like hair, the Lakotas won't cut their hair mm. unless they're grieving, right? If, if they're grieving a death, they might cut their hair. Uh, interestingly enough, when, when somebody in the family dies, one of the things they, they did, one of the sacred ceremonies is they cut off some of the hair and, and, and oh. they, would keep, they would keep that hair for a whole year as if the person was there in the teepee with them and they would they would feed the the hair it's like it's called the keeping of the soul ceremony and 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 you're doing that because the spirit of that person is in the hair mm. and and one of the one of the this is also i guess you could say there there's a lot of lore about uh about taking scalps and what that was all about. Well, mm -hmm. you're capture you're capturing the spirit of your enemy. Oh. See, and and, oh. and 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 after you have his scalp, you've you've got him, and he's 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 your he's your slave, and and you you take him. You can take him with you to when you die, actually, and and it's and it's on the other side that that he can be released. Uh, he can sort of be redeemed uh, of whatever it was that made him an enemy in the first place. But <clears throat> the the spirit, this the Sichun spirit is 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 in holy relics. It's like uh, if you have a bone, uh, a deer, a deer bone, the the or a deer hoof, the 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 spirit of the deer is in that. So that's mm -hmm. why. That's why you see, you know, all of these fetishes. It's it's the the spirit of those animals are alive in the fetishes, and okay, and shamans traded these things. You know, that you that's what your power is. Your power is in the these. It, it, the power is the Sichun energy that's given to you directly by spirit during vision quests or during ceremonies. And so you build up a medicine bundle that has the, the, your power in it. And as time goes on, you know, you're, you're, the shaman may pass away and his medicine bundle will be passed on to somebody else. So his power can go to somebody else. It can be traded. 
So that's sort of fun. Oh. That's fundamental Lakota metaphysics. I wonder if anybody still has black elks. Black elks, what? His pipe? Oh, his, uh, yeah, the things that he. Medicine bundle? That were, uh, yeah, his medicine bundle or his hair. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, and, and crazy horse, especially. There, there are keepers oh. of crazy. There are keepers of crazy horses. Bundle. Um, crazy horse was an owl man, from what I understand, and and he had a lot of owl medicine. We recently watched this uh, this movie in Hindi with subtitles called Stree about a, a this demon woman, and in order to defeat her, she would go come in the night and kill people, of course, or kidnap them. And you had to cut off her braid. Like it wasn't, you couldn't stab her, you couldn't shoot her or anything. You had to cut her hair. It's interesting. Yeah, huh. we were talking We were talking earlier about the sort of universals. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is one of them. You know, the, very fundamentally, when you, you, you talk about ancestor worship, you talk about these kinds of spirits. And, and these are the things that shamans work with. Because they understand it, you know. They're, they're yeah, that, that seems to be kind of like an unconscious or sometimes conscious. Uh, one of the, the the reasons hippies have long hair, you know, is is because they're kind of like tied into that. I don't know if they know they're tied into that, but they it, it's like intuitive. Father Father Yod said that explicitly in mm. some of his recordings that uh that that's people should grow their hair and their beards long because it pulls in energy from the sun and it has something to do with he saw like antenna kind of spiritual yeah antenna. some people even say there's nerve endings but that's kind of horse you know <laughs> pucky there 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 is an urban myth out there that's circulating uh i've actually posted it on facebook myself what's that and and it and it has to do with um a story that supposedly the army uh, took Native American scouts and 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 put them out in the field. But of course, what what the army does is during the basic training, they cut off all their hair. Well, these yeah. scouts these scouts weren't any good when they went out in the field. And uh, when what they did is they changed the they did a little experiment where they changed their practice and they allowed the scouts to grow their hair out and the scouts that had their hair long were much more effective out in the field. Mm. Um, this is this is sort of an urban myth. I I have one person that claim that swears that that they know the scientists that have dealt with this personally, but I'm not I'm not totally sure of that. But uh, <laughs> but the idea is that you know if you have long longer hair it's like an like a more of a sensory apparatus it's like a it allows you to pick up uh the it's like a radar detector or mm. something it allows you to to detect energy in the in the field or whatever interesting well uh, is there anything uh you want to mention before we uh wrap up the interview uh, I, I I did briefly talk about the fact that I'm going on this uh, pilgrimage to South Dakota to try to help with this community. Yeah, you haven't really gone into it much. Yeah, and, how do we stay in contact? Because I want to I want to follow the chapters of this journey and 
and maybe at some point I would love to meet uh, a Lakota shaman. And the, talk. Uh, the, uh, well, that's, that's hard to do. Uh, mm. The, um, I, I am, I do have a, a couple of fundraisers out there where I'm trying to raise money for gas so that I can get out there. There's one okay, on Go. There's there's one on GoFundMe, and there's also a Facebook uh, fundraiser that's currently active right now. If somebody's my, if somebody has their phone in their hand right now, how do they get to uh, one of these fundraisers to help you out? There we go. Um, I guess they could come to my Facebook page, and it's under my name, Daniel Garber. The uh, the it. it it's facebook.com slash wizard.garber, I think, is what the, <laughs> what the original URL is. Uh, but uh, there are quite a few Daniel Garbers out there. Uh, <clears throat> one, of, one of them is a very, very successful and famous philosopher at the University of Chicago. Mm. And, and another one is a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but there is a, a famous uh, artist named Daniel Garber of the Hudson uh, School, I think it was. I did River notice this, uh, this episode on YouTube is more popular than a lot of the other episodes. I wonder if there's a few people going, oh, I like that professor or that artist. <laughs> Yeah, uh, find me on Facebook, and and I'm I'm very open to sharing with the world the 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 adventure as it unfolds. Um, I'm 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 kind of stymied at the moment because gas prices are so high, and mm. it, and it's and it's so expensive to to go where I'm going with a big. I have a big four by four truck that's pulling this 31 foot travel trailer. Mm. And I, mm -hmm. and I, and I expect that the, the travel trailer is going to become a construction trailer on, on the side. It's going to be like the construction management trailer. Oh, maybe. Right. Uh, but I do, I, it's I like do want to take a gallon or is that down in California? No, it's three bucks. So oh, it's okay. over, it's over, it's over three bucks, but mm. still that's a long distance. If people, can, to... if people can get through to the website, there's, you know, attached to this episode. So if you go to, you can Google Esoteric Nerd 105 or Esoteric Nerd Daniel Garber. There's more than one episode he's been on though. So yeah, Esoteric Nerd 105. And I'll, I'll post a link to the GoFundMe as well. Yeah, for sure. We want to get that going. Yeah, the, the weather is, is finally turned. You know, and that's been the big thing. It's like a, in South Dakota, you don't want to be out there when it's below zero or when it's below freezing. Right. You know, right. Once, once it warms up, then the ground will warm up and we'll be able to start doing this work. So we, we've sort of been holding off for the weather. And now the weather seems to be turning. So I'm getting ready to go. I'm getting antsy. <laughs> oh, man. I want to get out there. I want to get out there. I want to, I want to help the people. I want to build these these experimental dome structures out of adobe uh it's called earth bag materials um and i want to do ceremony with my brothers and sisters mm. ah beautiful 
Nice. Um, if no, if any, if somebody wanted to come and help, do you do you guys allow outsiders to come and like help work on this stuff and camp and just kind of check out? At this point, at, at this point, I'm not sure that it's totally open to, to strangers. It mm -hmm. uh, it might evolve to that at some point if the, if a call went out. Um, at this point, we have to know who you are. We have to understand where right. you're coming from. Um, right. There there is a website uh, that describes what this thing is that we're trying to do. Uh, uh, Would you send me that link and I'll link to that as well? Yeah, what is that website? Uh, I'll tell you what it is here. It's called unshelteredearth.com. How do you, can you spell that? Unsheltered earth. Unsheltered, okay. Dot com. Cool. Nice. It sounds like this uh, year is is off to a a much lovelier path than last year. So far, so good. Uh, well, my my own spiritual experience has been progressive. Uh, it's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about where mm -hmm. I was at during Standing Rock and out, coming out of that Standing Rock experience. And then yeah, what happened? Yeah. And then and then and then what happened to me afterwards over the last four years leading to to this where I am now, and every yeah. year it's every year it's just more and more growth, more progressive, uh, <clears throat> more insights, uh, just more magical, and uh, <clears throat> I'm 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 loving it actually. And you know, like I said, I'm 65 years old and I'm not getting any younger, so. Mm. So I want to get out there and I want to like do what I can while I still can. Mm. That's, here, here. that's a beautiful vision there. I'll, I'll, we definitely need to get that, uh, that, uh, GoFundMe going and, oh, hell yeah. And be able to spiritually, spiritually, like spiritually, vicariously, uh, experience some of this goodness that's happening there. So you'll be off grid um, a little bit when you go oh it's off grid mm -hmm. uh well i currently am able to have a uh a, a hot spot uh if i have access to uh if if i get a signal on my phone mm. okay so that's what i'm doing that's what i'm doing right now actually oh nice. uh, so me too, I, actually. I, <laughs> as, as, as long as at&t gives me a signal i can be online okay uh we have we have bigger issues like well how are you going to charge your phone how are you going to charge your computer right. um yeah i we we have generators uh but the generators of course run on gasoline uh we don't have any solar panels that i know of if somebody wants to contribute that technology to this project that's certainly welcome mm. okay very nice all right well we'll get the word out and maybe while you're out there um, you know, if there's an update you want to give us, uh, you know, then if you have electricity and all that. Otherwise, when you return in September, then we can do Daniel Garber 5 and hear all about how it went. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm coming back. Oh, okay. That's great. Wow. That was you what happened to me and, and I didn't come back. <laughs> the, 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 the idea is to build these uh, 
these dome structures and then ride them through the winter to see how it goes. Oh, good. Oh, wow. That sounds so cool. And, and uh, you know, when I was at Standing Rock, I uh, one of the things that I did there was I delivered these what we called tarpies. Tarpies were a uh, white man's version of a teepee made from materials that you could buy at the hardware store. Right. And and they're they're it's a plastic tarp wrapped around a two by four frame, right? Basically, uh, with a wood stove inside it. And um, one of the things the uh, the 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 Lakotas named them tarpies. It was sort of a deprecating term because they didn't they didn't th they didn't think that they were going to stand up to the winds, nor nor did they think that they would be warm enough. In fact, not a single one that we put up. We put up almost fifty. Um, wow! And and not a single one blew over that I know of, and and uh, they were very warm inside in, in like minus forty degree temperatures. I I know because I because I weathered a a blizzard in in one of those, and it was about it was it was around minus forty wind chill. When I was when I was inside that thing, um, how many so, how many days were you were you in there during that blizzard? Well, that's the blizzard. I think that's the blizzard that followed after the the um, forgiveness ceremony. So I was in there a couple of days, but then we we decided that it was time for us to get out because it was it was it was getting <laughs> it was getting pretty drastic, uh, and I had a really hard time. We had a diesel truck, and I had a hard time getting that diesel truck started in that kind of temperature i didn't have any experience wow. in how to do it uh, but some people helped me to get it started and we actually got out of there uh, and drove home without without any kind of heat in the truck actually oh there, there was there was no working heat in the truck um, so actually by the time i got i got back uh that was in december by the time we drove all the way back from Standing Rock to Seattle, by the time I got to Seattle, I was we 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 left with a, what was commonly called the camp cough. It was a viral uh, lung infection, oh. and, and and it hit me pretty hard. By the time I got back, and I ended up having to go to the hospital. Mm. Uh, but. Uh, that was just one one of the details about what happened at Standing Rock. Wow! So you guys you guys were really uh, putting your bodies on the line and 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 suffering for the cause with the people, man. That's yeah, I talked about this beautiful. a lot in that earlier interview. Hmm. I'm gonna go back and give that a listen. I'm not sure I've, I've heard the entire yeah. thing. I'm gonna, yeah. Eighty one. Everybody should have a listen if uh, they haven't heard it yet. That was the so one where that, we talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, what? Go go ahead. Oh, that episode eighty-one. You went in depth into. I mean, we don't need to retell the story. We'll just tell people to go listen to it about the seventy-seven stones, the river stones. Yeah, yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that they go find out about that on episode eighty-one. <laughs> but but I ha I haven't shared. I've had all kinds of things like that happen mm. in the last four years. I, I mentioned the aphorism metakoyasin, uh, which means uh, we are all related, mm. or, or all my relations. 
one of the things that they say when they begin to talk about something is, or when they're they're asking to speak, what they'll say is matakiyapi. Mm. And matakiyapi basically is saying, my relations, you know, it's saying, hello, my relations. Mm. I'm addressing, I'm addressing my relatives. Interesting. Avete fratres et sorores. <laughs> I got my tea and I'm ready for stories. Nice. Okay. Okay. So where we left that uh, original interview, um, I was, uh, I think this is the way it ended. I, I was in a snow covered landscape in South Dakota talking to uh, a spiritual elder and I offered him tobacco and told him that I, I, uh, I asked him for help on my path. Uh, the original interview, I think, talks that, about that in detail, but uh, I, I, I had felt, I had been on the, uh, what, what the, what the Lakotas call the Red Road for many years, since 1991 in particular, when I did my first ceremony, uh, and I smoked my first pipe in 1991, and I think it, that was about, uh, at that stage, I think it was about like 25 years earlier. So I'd been on the road for 25 years, but I had never felt like I was ready uh, to take on uh, to take on the responsibilities of of uh, really walking walking the path in a full in a you know 100% of the time mm. a full a full time occupation in other words mm -hmm. and. Um, so I asked him for help, and uh, and then we we I, we drove back to Seattle, and my Standing Rock experience ended. What what happened after that is uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of um, incidents and experiences occurred, uh, just building on each other. The uh, the the biggest one i guess was i had waited 26 years to be carried by the pipe the sacred pipe and and that happened for me uh in the in the months that have followed standing rock i was actually convinced by my men's society that i was ready to pick it up and and, and a lakota teacher helped me to make my pipe and uh i, I picked it up I, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm a little bit uncomfortable about talking about some of these details because they're 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 personal, spiritual, <clears throat> and, and we don't want to sound like we're bragging about this stuff right. or that. Yeah, it's we, we we can respect that. Sure. Yeah, and just skip, coming from, skip any part that that feels uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's it's not not coming from a place of ego, um, mm. but uh, the. I out of, I had waited for 20 years or something like that to go to my first Sundance. I was waiting for the opportunity. The the Sundance is not something that you find in the yellow pages. Uh, you you can't look it up. You can't find. You know, nowadays I guess they're you know on the internet you can't Google a Sundance. If if you Google the Sundance, I would be very doubtful whether it's real. Um, mm -hmm. The 
my my Sundance experience came to me when when a brother of mine asked me to support him at his own dance. Um, and so in in uh, June, following Standing Rock, that would have been 2017, I I found myself in Montana at my very first Sundance. Uh, which was an amazing experience, just un unbelievable. Mm. The uh, I was given the teachings about the pipe in the Oglala way, and uh, in a ceremony, in a sweat lodge ceremony, actually. And uh, the Sundance goes on for four days. Uh, on the final day of the Sundance, I was supporting my brother. I wasn't dancing in that dance, but I got the call to dance the next year. So I, I did. I did offer tobacco, and I pledged to dance the following year, which would have been 2018. So in, I spent a whole year preparing for the dance in 2018, uh, and what. What happened in the summer of 2018 coming up on in June, I think it was May, uh, I got word that the Sundance had been canceled and it had been canceled because there'd been a death in the Sundance family. Mm. Now that particular dance, they had, they had pledged to put on a dance for four years and, and that particular dance would have been their fourth dance. And because the dance was canceled in that way, they no longer had a commitment to do a Sundance anymore. So I actually lost my opportunity to do a Sundance after waiting all of that time. Mm. After waiting waiting 20 years to hook to, to get the opportunity and then, oh. spending a, and then spending a whole year to prepare for it. And and then it, 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 with, with like a month left to go, it's canceled. And so I was sort of devastated along with the other people that were gonna dance in that dance. And uh, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, the uh, I had been to a second Sundance uh, after the very first one that I went to. I, it was actually on the Rosebud Reservation, and um, on that reservation, and with the, with those people, I actually presented tobacco and and asked to be put up on the hill. And what that means is is uh, the Lakota word for that is homblesha. It's called a vision quest where you're crying for a vision. And, and back in the old days, this was uh, uh, an initiation ceremony for young men and they would be put up on the hill at the age of 12 or 13 in puberty. And, and the vision quest sort of set the stage or the theme of their whole life. Uh, because the vi the vision and the animals that came to them to be their spirit helpers would sort of define who they were. Um, the in, in our day, I mean, I didn't have the opportunity to do that when I was twelve or thirteen, so I'm sort of playing catch up. Uh, and and the older the older uh, medicine people used to do. Uh, uh, a vision quest every year. Uh, Frank Fulscrow did one every year, as from what I understand, he lived to be 99. Um, and 
just to interject, so I, and I apologize for breaking the flow, but I, I just wanted to throw in on, while we're on the subject, Isabella Allende wrote a book uh, called Zorro, where she mythologizes the story of the life of Zorro. And in, the, in that story, his grandmother is Native American, and in his vision quest, he sees a, a fox, which in Spanish is Zorro. Anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, huh, I never actually read the actual book that that was based on. That's fascinating. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, I, she made it in post. I mean, it's like a reimagining of something that oh, already okay. existed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. Um, well, I didn't, I didn't know that either. So thanks, thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, they they put me up on the hill and uh and i came back down off the hill um and and this was right before the dance started and again i was supporting that dance i wasn't i, I had not i had pledged to dance in this other dance and um the uh i went through the entire dance supporting my brothers and sisters as they were dancing and uh and um uh, you know, as I said, I was a brand new carrier of the pipe, and, and and actually, what we say is that the pipe carries us; we don't carry the pipe. Mm. And uh, the, you know, it's a it's a very it's it's a it's a very solemn thing to to talk about the pipe. It's a very sacred thing, and it's a heavy responsibility. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's uh, the. Uh, the very uh, what happened what happened is my pipe remained unsmoked throughout the entire dance through through some strange circumstances mm -hmm. uh and and what what happens is that all of the prayers of the sundance um go into the pipe and when the pipe is smoked all of the prayers are released to spirit. It's called on the on the breath of Wope. Wope is the divine feminine. She's one of those sixteen high walking tonkas. Wow. Uh, the um, my pipe sat un, unsmoked throughout the entire dance, and I was a brand new uh, wasichu. I was very uncomfortable about that. I didn't know what I was supposed to do without offending anybody. And mm -hmm. and the the dance ended, and the day after the dance ended, uh, the Sundance chief invited me to help uh, work on his car. <laughs> and so I was up there uh, at his house with my sawzall plugged into the electricity and cutting the exhaust pipe out of his truck, and we were bonding over that. Nice. And I and, and I said, you know, I have this problem. And he said, what's your problem? And I said, well, I have this pipe that needs to be smoked. Smoked, you know, I I didn't smoke it, and you know, I I, I don't want to offend anybody. And what's what do you think I should do? And he said, well, we 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 must smoke your pipe. <laughs> nice. So so uh, they did a, a sweat lodge ceremony that night, which would have, would have been the day after the the Sundance. And everybody that was there, all these aged, aged Sundancers and the chief and the medicine man, the holy man, uh, they shared my pipe in this in this uh, sweat lodge ceremony, and um, and my pipe was blessed nice. by them, and uh, it was remarkable too because 
you know, I, I was, I had only had the pipe for a couple of months at that point. And, and the pipe that I had loaded uh, lasted, it stayed lit through, through the entire uh, ceremony. In other words, there might've been 20, 25 people in that lodge. Every single person smoked it and it didn't go out all the way, all the way to the very end. That's cool. <laughs> and so, and so my pipe was accepted and blessed by them, you know, and, and as a white person, that's quite an honor. I, I was very self-conscious about that. You know, mm -hmm. do, do I have the right, do I have the right to, to do this, you know, as a white man? Um, but I, I was accepted by them. And <clears throat> so I came out of the, that lodge and there was a thunderstorm brewing and the, the thunderbirds were, were, rolling in on the property and I had to get out of there because if I didn't get my truck out and leave that night before the rain hit, I would have been stuck in the, there was a lot of mud there, a lot of dust and mud. And so we, I got out and, and I drove out and, and then it, it was the, the next year that, uh, that I, uh, I was looking forward to that first dance that I would dance in. And then the dance was canceled. Um, and then I didn't really know what to do after that. Um, I spent a whole year trying to find another dance uh, or a solution. I, I kind of shopped around, asked, asked people that I knew in the community out here in Seattle area. And we, we, we do sweat lodges at least once a month here. And um, Wait, are I, there joint I, are there joint ceremonies in between the Lakota and the tribes out near Seattle? Yeah, there's shared shared oh. ceremonies. There there are different oh. different styles of sweat lodges depending on who's running them. Mm -hmm. Some so one of them that I go to is a very strict Lakota uh, sweat lodge, and but another one that I do is 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 it's more eclectic, I guess you could say. It, it, it's on the Tulalip Reservation, and so it would be a Salish uh, one. But it's surprising that the, even even the Salish sweat lodges incorporate a lot of the Lakota songs and Lakota methods. Uh, not all of them, um, and uh, there are Blackfoot. The Blackfoot sweat lodges are slightly different from Lakota ones. Um, there's also Seminole lodges. Um, and it took me a long time to like hook up with that kind of community. Uh, but, but after a while, you know, I got to know people and I was doing ceremony at least one, once a month, sometimes twice a month. <laughs> and ideally I would do it every week if I could. And in fact, I, I wouldn't mind doing it every day. Uh, I feel like I heard that there was a Native American church somewhere um east of laguna or something that people would go to and they were having a regular a weekly thing up there i don't I'm, know the I'm, formal name of it people would just say they're going to the native american church and that's, that's native native american church is a term for a specific kind of ceremony and it oh, and cool. it and it really has to do with uh peyote ceremony all right yeah well that would make sense uh the there's there's lots of different sweat lodges out there because there's lots of different people pouring you need to develop 
some kind of discernment about uh, how you feel about the person that's pouring, whether whether they're legit, whether they're appropriating the ceremony. Uh, the, there's a lot of things that go into how you feel about the whether you're comfortable with the the ceremony that you're doing and whether it's a good fit for you. Right. You know, if if somebody is if somebody's charging a fee for a sweat lodge, that's a big mm-hmm. no-no. You don't go to that mm-hmm. one because no no one would charge money for a sweat lodge ceremony. Um, I like that. You can't serve both God and Mammon. And uh, yeah, if you see that, I mean that that is a sign of a typical New Age uh, appropriate cultural yeah. culturally yeah. appropriated ceremony. That's when something actually is cultural appropriation when it's being sold. <laughs> like when I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think people are a little too sensitive. You know, a little. They use the word a little too often. Like, I mean, okay, I practice yoga and I live in India. Is this cultural appropriation? I mean, I'm genuinely, wholeheartedly embracing the culture. I'm not trying to make money off it. I mean, I have a website. Maybe I, you know, I don't know. You know, like because I'm as I I have those hangups too as a fellow white man. Uh, who loves cultures other than my own. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good public discourse to have, how to how to have that kind of deep spiritual interaction, not just... Respectfully, spirit, sincerely, spirit. and, you know, yeah. when you can't not do it, when your heart is drawn to something to where you can't turn away from it, you know, what do you do? That's, that's, not, that's, that's, the, the, that's, that's totally different the world. from cultural appropriation, yeah. unless you then start selling it, right. you know. Yeah, the, there's the classic story of the guy in Sedona, Arizona, who who had a sweat lodge covered with plastic tarps, and uh, I think he killed four people in the lodge. Uh, heard about that? Yeah. And uh, I think people were paying. I I heard ten thousand uh, dollars. It was it was for a workshop, and and I I think the sweat lodge was part of the workshop. It's not like it was ten thousand for one ceremony. But I, but I, you know, obviously a lot of money was changing hands, and that that incident uh, is used as the perfect example of what not to do. Right. Um, and and how things can really go wrong if you don't know what you're doing. You know, if it's not coming from a good place. So, um, I've got to get back to the story here. I, I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. I was around. I was looking I was looking for a, a Sundance and um, I, I still first of all there was the question of whether I still had an obligation because I had made a pledge to dance in that dance the next year well the dance wasn't going to happen is my pledge now void and mute or moot uh, and I consulted various elders and the the consensus seemed to be that no you made a pledge to spirit to dance so I still had this outstanding pledge and um, and uh, so tell I, me what uh, you mean by pledge because it sounds like pledge is the really like that's like a, some type of deep spiritual contract or something what does that in, yeah. entail the pledge there well, you offer tobacco to what's called the intercessor. He, he, he's the medicine man at the Sundance. And he, he is the intercessor means the one that interprets for the spirit, right? He's the, uh, mm-hmm. the go-between. And, and really, 
what he did is he took me out to the tree at the Sundance and and talked to a spirit for me and asked and and explained my situation and and said that he wants to dance is that okay and I was accepted to dance the next year cool. and um, it's a it's a contract between me and spirit and it's a very solemn and serious thing hmm. so. Um, I felt, uh, you know, I felt an obligation. I have to like do this. And uh, I didn't have a clue how to go about doing it. And, and, and that's part of the uh, journey. It's part of my own journey anyway. And the lessons that I had to learn the, uh, the one of the big lessons that I have learned along the way is, is that as a white man, I can't do things the way I was taught and told and and, and and trained in 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 school in college uh by the military in various jobs about how we do uh project management and we plan things that's not what this stuff is about mm. the way the way this stuff works is you have to surrender yourself to spirit you have to let go and and when you let go that need to control things and to plan things then it will happen in a natural organic way that it's meant to and the way that spirit wants it to happen that's the lesson one of the main lessons that i have learned along the way so uh out of nowhere i'm doing sweat lodge ceremonies here and i get a, a contact from somebody that i don't know i've never met this person uh, they work for the uh, they work for the Oglala Sioux Tribe actually on Pine Ridge Reservation, and they wanted me to come out there and help them. Uh, they wanted to they wanted to put me to work to help the people. Uh, this came came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I I didn't really know what to do about it, and I prayed about it for a couple of months in the lodge. It's like, what should I do? And finally, I just realized that, you know, this is the answer to that prayer. Um, and I need to go. Uh, it's, an, it's an opportunity for me to go to Pine Ridge and be with the people and serve the people. So I ended, I ended up uh, packing up my truck and just driving out there um, to Pine Ridge. This would have been uh, 2019. I spent, about, I spent about three or four months on Pine Ridge. Uh, helping the people and helping the tribe the uh, the uh, what happened was there was a big flood there and the flood was a result of uh, these uh, heavy hailstorms that occurred and the hailstorms damaged uh, housing housing uh, broke windows uh, damaged roofs so all these houses were damaged and there was all kinds of flood damage and that was the main, and and we we got a FEMA de declaration from uh, President Trump, and so once the, the the it was declared an emergency, uh, then there was all of this uh, FEMA help, and and I was involved in all of this. So oh wow, uh, uh, the uh, yeah, I was working with the president of the tribe. Uh, <laughs> I so that I, I have oh. I have a, I have, a, I have a picture of myself sitting uh in the office of the president of the oglala sioux tribe just with a look of amazement on my face because it was like you know i just had this 
I had this overwhelming uh, just awe, awe of like, how did I find myself here? You know? Um, so I, uh, I did ceremony with, I did sweat lodge ceremony with various people while I was on the, on the reservation. Uh, I always had my ear out for uh, the possibility of a dance. Um, you're right there on the reservation. There, there are lots of dances coming in the Sundance, and and I I I I admit it was on my agenda. I wanted to I wanted to find that good fit that I was looking for, and I didn't I didn't uh, I it didn't happen right away. It happened at, after a few false starts. Uh, I I. Did ceremony with several different uh, medicine people, uh, and then out of nowhere again, in a totally unexpected way, I was invited to to do a sweat lodge with a group of a new community that I didn't know, and I I did that sweat lodge, and it was uh, it was all native, all Lakotas, uh, except for the two of us that were guests, and um, you know as soon as as soon as we're in the ceremony and and I'm doing the the appropriate things, they know that you 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 know you seem to know what you're doing, and and uh, after that ceremony, I was sort of accepted, and then and then I was told that I was, and then and then they they did ceremony every week, and uh, the next week came along, and I was told that I have to go out there alone if I'm going to go, and because. Uh, <clears throat> my friend that had invited me he, he couldn't go so i had to go out all by myself and uh it, i think that looking back on it that was a test of my own character and my own will uh they wanted to see whether i would actually go out there and do it by myself and uh in order to, order to to get there i had to like drive i think it's about 10 miles out into the countryside there on pine ridge and and uh go to this community of of total strangers and i'm the only white person and i hear this whispering around me you know it's like who is this guy and uh and then i did ceremony with them again for the second time and 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 after that second time i think i was i was i was more accepted than i was before and i found out that uh they were actually holding a Sundance in 10 days. And uh, they asked me to help set up for the Sundance. And of course I dropped everything that I was doing and I said, absolutely. And I helped 100% wholeheartedly to, to help them set up their Sundance. And after setting up the Sundance with them, you know, it's like every day we would do a sweat lodge that night and uh, I just became more and more accepted, I think, by, by them until finally I got an invitation to actually dance in the dance. And and so I did that. Uh, that My was, imagination's that was, filling in the blanks here uh, because I know there's probably a lot you can't say about the structure or the content of these meetings and dances, but uh, um, when you talk about using consecrated objects, uh, I, 
what comes to mind is uh, the work in Kabbalah where sometimes you'll use a, a charged uh, implement or icon and um, you use that in working sometimes drawing upon angelic names related to certain elements, you know, of earth, air, fire, and water. Um, and it's basically an emanationist view. Um, and when you were describing like the 16 names, um, it almost made me think of like the Shim Him Paresh. Is there sort of an emanationist theology that that's part of the rituals and the way it's structured or what what does what does one do as far as what you can say and what you're allowed to say? Well, the short answer is the short answer is yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, there the are so many described the non-dual uh, uh, within uh, the du dualistic partners that exist within a non-dual unity. That actually, you yeah. can apply that to uh, Golden Dawn Egregore as well. And I don't even know if either one is emanationist per se, because they neither one is really referencing a god. I mean, obviously in Golden Dawn, they call him by name, but uh, I don't know. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of similarities in, in, in their ritual, uh, a lot of similarities with various kinds of Western Hermetic ritual I've done. Um, the lesser banishing ritual of the, of the pentagram is very similar to uh, to a to a pipe ceremony. Um, you're 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 creating a sacred space. You're banishing it out. You're uh, you're calling in the directions. Uh, it's very similar. Wow, it's like the four uh, archangels. Yeah, the the four archangels are equivalent to the four directions. Um, the the four winds, in other words, the um, and these kinds of things are very astounding to me. Okay, it's, it's very wakan, it's very sacred. Yeah. So, so, um, so I I danced in the dance and uh, and had had my prayers answered. Um, the I. Uh, I left Pine Ridge in 2019, uh, and uh, in their ways, uh, in Lakota ways, you, you generally dance for four years. Uh, so I didn't actually pledge to dance for four years. I had I had pledged to dance one year, but uh, so uh, it's it's more. I've already fulfilled my pledge. Uh, but from now on, it's voluntary, and 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 I I fully intend to dance a full four years and maybe more. What are you what... allowed to say about the dance itself? Like, are you it, by dancing? Is this like an actual aerobic movement, or, or um, like in a, well, like a pageant uh, of some sort, or it's a it's a big circle about the size of Stonehenge. Um, the in the center of that circle is a tree uh, that tr that's a cottonwood tree. It's called the tree of life. Uh, interestingly enough, and I and I have a teach I have a teacher. Uh, one of my teachers, uh, he's a, he was my Blackfoot teacher. He uh, he also was a Bota initiate. 
and and oh, he, the Adidum here in Highland yeah. Park. Yeah, and he and I had long talks about this, and and it was his conviction that the uh, the tree of life in the center of the Sundance is equivalent to the tree of life in Kabbalah. Mm. Um, there are different worlds on that tree. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in person, I might be able to share more things in a public way like this. I'm, I'm, I'm. I honor that. I honor I'm that. Like, I'm like right on the edge of uh, right, feeling ahead. comfortable. We, but, yeah, we can we can seal that one off for right now. I mean, you know, the sign of silence and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the um, the next year uh, would have been 2020. And I wasn't really sure how I was going to end up out there, but I did end up out there. Uh, I ended up out there for a month uh, with the same community. Uh, I helped uh, again set up the dance. The dance is usually 12 days long. There's four days of setup. Then the, the, the actual dance, the public dance goes on for four days and then there's four days afterwards. So it's a full 12 days, a full 12 day commitment. Um, and uh, so I was there setting up and, and I also danced four days. Uh, and then I was there for four days afterwards, helping take it all down. Um, and then remarkably enough, after that dance, I was invited to fire attend another, another dance, a second dance. Um, I wasn't, in, that, that doesn't involve dancing in that dance. It involves, you know, taking care of the fire. The fire has to be kept lit for the entire term of the dance. That's the responsibility of the fire tender. You know, Naha has her own school now. Yeah. I've seen on uh, the the social media. Is she still based out of that same place? No, she has her own school. It's, oh, okay. It's downtown, it's downtown LA, I think. What's it called? Twenty-two teachings. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, she had that going. Uh, I think before I left California, or she was doing it as a as a workshop at the a temple uh yes that place yeah she she made the uh, leap she's on her own nice that's good okay i'm back now okay oh, okay so we with last thing you said the fire needs to be tended yeah yeah so um you have to keep that fire going and, and i there there are some interesting side stories um I guess, I guess I'm I'm not going to go into uh, some of these side stories. I could do it per I could do it personally, but I'm not. I don't think in public I, I should. But um, the um, it became my personal responsibility to fire tend this entire Sundance, and that and that's a that's a big responsibility. And the funny thing, uh, funny observation about my experience out there as a white man is that I was also 64 years old. The funny thing is once once I was accepted by them, it's sort of, I'm ex expected to act like an elder. Mm. I'm ex I, I, was, I was told, I was told that they're, they're expecting you to tell them what to do because you're the elder. Uh, and that 
that really surprised me, uh, you know, as a white man and an outsider like that. And, uh, you know, what, one of the kind of things, one of the things that my, I really had to keep in mind is that life expectancy on the res is very low. And, and as a 64 year old person, that already makes me very old. That's, that's huh, wow. the, the, the men's life, life expectancy isn't, doesn't even reach 50. Hmm. So, um, so I am an elder, and uh, what, do you think, what do you think could help with that? What could help with that? Yeah, a hospital or two. Well, I I don't. That's just throwing things at at a, at a an underlying social problem. The yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the the biggest problem I think is is that they have been uh they've 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 had their culture destroyed by us. Yeah, and they they need to rediscover their culture and their and their own self esteem. Uh, they are doing that, uh, but I think that that is really a big problem. Mm. If if people don't have self esteem, uh, they they kind of let their life fall apart, and and they don't become and and they 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 uh, are not always making healthy choices. Mm. So, um, but but the return to this kind of spirituality is exactly what they need. Right. You know, uh, because it is a discipline and there is an esteem to it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I was asked to fire tend the dance and uh, fire tending means you keep that fire going all the time even through the night and i i was the only one actually i was there were supposed to be two of us what we were supposed to be sharing this uh this responsibility and the other person uh failed to live up to that obligation and and his whole story which i won't go into is a perfect story of how karma is an operation at the Sundance. Um, there were some personality flaws, uh, some mistakes made uh, uh, from and one thing or another. He, he, he learned a lot of very serious lessons, but what that meant was that I ended up having to fire attend the dance all by myself. Mm. Um, and that got, to be pretty, that, that got to be pretty exhausting. And one of the things, you're not only just keeping the fire going, but <clears throat> you're actually involved very seriously in the actual Sundance because, because you're, uh, you're providing what's called the, the, the smudge uh, for the dance, which, which is this incense that purifies the dance space. It keeps the dance space mm. protected. It like keeps the, the, the dance keeps it sacred keeps yeah. that that's that space there are actually four gates to the circle there's energy flowing in through the four gates and you have to keep those gates secure so that only good spirits are coming in there and the bad spirits don't come in mm. so um constantly working on that and and uh let's just say the fire tender is very much a part of the dance uh even though he's not out there dancing and uh, 
and so that was a great honor for me and and uh i i completed a, we we completed that that dance the second dance of that summer that was last summer uh that would have been my fifth dance i guess so four days so, without sleeping so, well fitfully uh mm. There's there's a trick to keeping the fire going all night, and that has to do with putting a very large log on there. Uh, but but uh, uh, I've I, so so I've been to three. I've been to five dances, two of which I danced in. So the next dance that I will go to will be my sixth dance, and it will be the third dance that I dance in. Nice. And and that will be this summer on Pine Ridge. Um, I will have to leave this other project that's on Rosebud so that I can go do that. Uh, the, the obligation usually is for four years. So this is my third year. And uh, after the fourth year, then I will consider, I mean, it's usually considered that your obligation is complete and you've kind of, kind of completed the the main uh, initiation, but you know the one of one of the lessons that I've learned in these ways so far is that it's not these ways are not like uh, Boy Scouts. It's it's not where you work your way through the merit badges and then you get your next rank. Uh, it's not like that at all. It's you have a personal relationship with spirit and there's a personal thing going on between you and spirit and if and spirit can call you to do things that are that other people don't get called to do and vice versa um you know just just because i dance in four in four dances in four years doesn't mean that i i'm entitled to anything uh and I might, in fact, you know, be called to dance in another four after that. Uh, it, it, it's between me and spirit. And, right. and as each and as each year goes by, uh, my relationship to that great mystery just becomes deeper and more profound. Hmm. And and I will. I'm also planning to do a another vision quest in May. Uh, so uh, in addition to being out there uh, on Rosebud building these uh, sustainable homes, I'm also going to be involved in some various other uh, spiritual endeavors as well. Are you allowed to talk about what the, what the vision quest is like and if you're taking <laughs> the antigenics? Well, uh, back in the old days, it was done uh, for a, a pubescent male. And and what they used to do is they would uh, they would do a sweat lodge ceremony. They would take him to a uh, a hill or a mountain, and they would set up a sweat lodge and they would do a sweat lodge ceremony with him and purify him first. And and then they would take him up on the hill, which is in some uh, uh, obscure place, some barren place. Uh, they would uh, mark off a space that that, that was his <clears throat> that he couldn't couldn't leave for for four days. Wow! 
and uh, he's not supposed to drink anything and he's not supposed to eat anything for four days. And all he can take with him is, is his pipe. And in the, in the original version, he went up naked carrying only a, a buffalo robe to cover him. In modern times, uh, I didn't go up there naked, <laughs> but but I, the the first one I was wearing yoga shorts and that's all, and I mm -hmm. had a pendel and I had a Pendleton blanket, and uh, I just stayed up there for, for uh, the period of time of the of the quest and uh, your your the the Lakota word for it is homblesha, and that includes in it the the uh, word uh, which means to cry. So what you're really doing is you're crying for a vision. You're, 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 you're asking your relatives to pity you and, and to be compassionate and to give you a, a vision uh, that, will, that will give meaning to your life uh, or, or, or an answer to a question that you have or or the or an answer to a or or an answer to a prayer that you have mm -hmm. and and the extent to which you're successful in that um has a lot to do with your success in life after that and um your self-confidence your your uh your personal power uh typically what happens is spirit speaks to you through an animal an animal will present itself and start talking to you um, and gives you a message. It may even give you some medicine. It may give you some situn, like I described earlier. And, and, that, and those relics that are given to you go into your own personal medicine bundle and it becomes part of your, uh, part of your own kit. Uh, so, that's essentially it's it's also a preparation for the sundance itself it's it's a four-day fast uh no water which is what happens in the sundance except in the sundance you're actually up there dancing while all you know in in the sun and the uh the lakota word for the sundance is staring into the sun uh you're you're kind of you're asking you're asking for the spirits. You're trying to put yourself into a state where the spirits can come to you and talk to you. You know, they, they, you're trying to be present with them and that they would be present with you. That's really essentially what it's about. And, wow. and, and the far, like and being the, baptized in fire. Yeah. And, the far, and the farther you get into it, the longer you get into it, the more you, you, you develop skills better skills at doing it uh, um you know and, and of course you're learning the lessons as as you go very nice and 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 uh and i am willing to, i'm willing to share more things in detail one-on-one uh, -on -one with people but uh i have to be circumspect about talking in a public way like this uh of course well, we'll do this again, so uh, either halfway through or, or, or when you come back, if you come back, we'll, we'll do a part five. <laughs> can't wait to, can't wait to hear some stories. Okay. 
right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you for coming well. uh, on the podcast, brother. Now, what we say is toksha. Toksha means till we see each other again. They don't say goodbye. Toksha. Toksha. being our guest tonight on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Special thanks to Robert Strong, PhD of Gonzo Theology, for being my co-host. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofuku Inn Temple on Mount Koyasan for the music you're hearing right now, which it's the same track that you heard in the beginning of the episode and uh, a different track by the same artist was used during the recital of the Lotus Sutra, the Namu Myoho Renge Kyo segment in this episode and in the previous episode. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly for whichever harp introduction uh, and outro I decide to use for the interview itself. And most importantly, special thanks to you, the Esoterra Nerd, listening to this podcast. Good night.